What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Josh Forty Effect. My name is Josh Forty, and this is a podcast dedicating, uh, dedicated to helping you find freedom, fulfillment, and helping you live a purpose-driven life. My name is Josh Forty, like I said, and I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Sam Kwok, who we met at Hogwarts, dude. We get to say that. <laughs> yes, we did. Hogwarts, Florida. That's where we met. Hogwarts, Florida. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I met him down. Russell Brunson, the man who uh, – shout out, Russell. What a man. Oh, he yeah. rented out. Uh, he rented out Hogwarts. He shut down all Harry Potter world for us, and we got to go in there, which was super, super cool. And uh, I met you there. We were hanging out with Travis Slish and Catherine Jones, Brad Gibb, and uh, we started walking back, and we started talking about God, right? Yeah. No, I, I saw your shirt. It said Trump won, and I'm like, this man, <laughs> he's both got the balls, and he's got yeah. And I'm like, I need to talk to this guy. And and I know I, I kind of knew who you were because I, I I listened to Russell's podcast, and I think you were on. His pockets a couple of times. So I'm like, yeah, I know you. I know you. Like, I know your voice. So, uh, that's, yeah, it's kicked it off. And then recently we, we chatted again on Facebook about God, about Bible. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, well, it's, it was- yeah, actually, it's super interesting because I do want to, I think we got, we're going to talk about that here today, I'm sure. Yeah. Just, you know, the whole questioning of the Bible and religion, and you're a Christian, right? Yeah. And oh, I, yeah. I'm excited to dive into your backstory around that. But before, before we dive in too far, I got to say, like, you're getting an interesting, uh, an interesting episode because I've, I'm in an office now. It's a rented office because we just had these massive fires out oh, here. Oh yeah, that's right, man. It was insane. Yeah. Like we I'm had. Glad you're okay. Yeah. It, well, and barely though. So here's the crazy part, right? So we go and it's like right after Christmas. So we flew. My wife and I travel a lot, like a lot, a lot, just with because yeah, yeah. my family lives one place and her lives another, and then there's work and everything like that. So anyway, we travel all over for the holidays. We get back and we're looking forward to just kind of like a a relaxing, nice little holiday, right, for the New Year's. And so my best friend and his wife, uh, they fly out here, and we're like, you know what? It's New Year's, or we're getting ready for New Year's. Let's take them up to Breckenridge, right? Because Breckenridge is yeah. absolutely beautiful up there. Have you ever been to Breck? No, I want to. I'm a, I'm a big skier, so I, I okay. want to go. Dude, yeah. if you come out, we'll go to Breck or Vail or something. Like, come out Let's to Colorado, we'll go. It'll be awesome. Let's make it work. Let's have, for, for yeah, seriously, yeah. though, I, I'm, I'm totally down. But anyway, so we decided, yeah. we're like, you know what? We're going to go up there. It's going to be great. So 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, it was a uh, third, yeah, it was a Thursday morning. We decided, you know, we're going to go up Thursday morning, and we leave 9 o'clock. It's kind of windy out, but, like, just a standard. We get Starbucks on the way, and it's like an hour and a half drive, right? Ends up being about a three-hour drive because Breck is – there's only, like, one road in and one road out. It's, like, one highway. So if there's any accidents or weather or anything like that, it's, like, a long – you know, right? So we go up. takes, like, three hours to get there. It's snowing a little bit uh, up in the mountains or whatever. And at, like, noon, we're, we're up there in Breck, and we get, like, this text notification from our apartment complex that's, like, hey, we're, like, evaluating the fires, um, and, like, we'll let you know. Like, but right now everything's safe. And we're, like, what fires? Like, what are you talking about? Like, we have – so we just kind of ignore it. We're like, okay, well, they say we're safe. It's fine. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, three hours later, we get another text from the apartment complex that's like, evacuate imili- or Im- immediately. Military has been called in. Oh, like, get out right now. Like, fires oh, are within, like, half a mile. Like, go, like, mandatory evacuations for all of Broomfield. And we're like, what the frick? Like, what? And we're yeah. three hours away. And so we, like, I pull up, well, an hour and a half normally, but I pull up the, the map, and it's like, you're three and a half hours from home, at least, right? With like with all the traffic. And so we're like, okay, do we try to make it home or do we, and potentially get caught in traffic, do we yeah. stay up here because uh, there's a blizzard coming in and it's like gonna, they're expecting 24 inches of snow in like six hours, like overnight. Jeez. Like if you get stuck on the highway in that, 
like there's you know avalanche possibility there's all sorts of bad things that can happen yeah. like when you're up there like yeah. that so anyway so a couple hours more go by and we're like constantly checking twitter and refreshing it like yeah, yeah. that's why we're getting our information so anyway we ended up deciding to try to get make it home and we make it like we go back and every way we get back like i don't know probably eight o'clock at night like it took forever right to get back mm -hmm. there and we get back and like you can just see like coming down the mountain like you can just see like fire everywhere right wow. like smoke fire everything we get closer to our apartment and like police everywhere right like so many cops military was brought in there's a like we live like two or three minutes away from this big massive mall and they shut down the entire mall and just made it a military base basically they brought in like Jeez. fire trucks and military and everything to like try to clear everybody out and so anyway we end up going and we could get like all the roads were closed but we could get like a half like but like maybe like a half a mile from our place and so i was like bro like jump out and so i tell my wife drive and my buddy and i we jump out of the car and we run like we go through this golf course and we like we hop a fence and we get back to our apartment and like our apartment wasn't on fire and so but you could see the fire so we get yeah, in yeah. and we like go up and like dude i have everything i have all my crypto wallets my computer my work stuff everything is sitting in this apartment so like we get upstairs and i'm like looking out the window and there's like flames outside the door and i'm like get just like let's go let's go get this stuff out so luckily we had a car we had a second car there we loaded up all our stuff um and yeah dude it was crazy like it just i mean we're talking like dude. a couple hundred yards away dude, from the apartment movie, man. it's crazy it was yeah. and like you see like the footage and it's just like i think there was 910 homes destroyed it was the large or it was the most destructive uh wildfire in colorado history and um yeah dude so anyway we made it out well we had no internet no hot water like no cell phone service all the towers were like knocked down because of the winds right. There was like a hundred mile, hundred and ten mile an hour winds for like four straight hours, um, and so yeah, dude, like all of the all the shopping, like Target and Costco and Menards and like or Home Depot, like it all burned down, like the hotels, like it's all burnt, and so um, yeah, wow. but luckily we're safe, like literally <laughs> yeah. a couple hundred yards, it's dude. insane. Yeah, you you probably never forget this for the rest of your life. Right, <laughs> right. I know. And then we're like, we're sitting up there, yeah, and my we're with my best friend and his wife, and then my other best friend and his wife are on a plane flying in because they were supposed oh, to meet us. And so they land, and we're like, what do we do? And so we ended up just going to Denver for the day. Uh, we went to this place. Uh, have you ever heard of uh, Meow Wolf? Mm -mm, no. It's like this super trippy like psychedelic -y, other world like it's like a 65 yeah, yeah. million dollar facility and it's just basically like art but it's like super trippy art right um and like it's super super cool so we spent the whole day there's one in vegas there's one in denver there's okay they have a couple different facilities it's like super super cool and there's like wow. different like mysteries and like riddles that you solve and you like go around there and so we just hung out there for the day and uh gave us something to do because we had like no heat no hot water and right. like no internet and so anyway it was fun but now here we are. So anyway, that's the story that's of crazy, man. why we don't have the dope backdrop and why Dude, we're man, uh, it works. Yeah, it works, man. <laughs> anyway, where are you yeah. out of, man? No, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm, unfortunately, like I'm kind of embarrassed to say this now because I'm I'm from Illinois. <laughs> right? like, everyone's like trying to get out of Illinois. Like, uh, uh, like eight consecutive year, like we 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 lose like hundred thousand people every year. It's it's insane. Um, are you I in Chicago. Am, uh, I'm in the western suburbs of Chicago. Like they just made it a mandate starting monday if you don't have the vaccines you can't go anywhere like no games no restaurants no nothing like Dude. spot so like yeah pretty much well it's chicago and like the biggest county here in uh illinois is cook county uh people joke around and say it's the crooked cook county, crook county. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, yeah. it's, it's terrible um i'm i'm out in like the the suburbs which is um 
a little bit better. It's not like as restrictive. Um, but still, like all the all the favorite places you you want to go and hang out is in Cook County or Crook County, and so like yeah. So at, at this point, like my my brother and I are con- contemplating moving. Like wow, in Texas, yeah, looking at Florida. We have, you know we have businesses there too. But um, yeah, man, that's where I'm. That's where where I I grew up here. Um, I, originally, I'm not from here. Like as you can tell, right? I, I hope this gives us yeah. away. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, <laughs> Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm originally from South Korea. So like, well, and, and, uh, you know, if, if you've been watching squid game or like Gangnam style, right. That's, 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 that's my home place. So, uh, how'd you yeah, get to America? I, oh, this is a great segue to life. So, so, um, so I was born in South Korea, um, uh, in the nineties and, um, I, I was there till I want to say seven, seven years old. Yeah. Seven years old. And my, my, my parents are, my dad's a church pastor. So, you know, I grew up Christian all my life, faith background, God and Jesus was always, you know, in the conversation. So my dad was tasked to, in 1997, my, my dad was uh, asked, um, if you understand like how certain church denomination works, like it's, it's a, it's like an, like an organization, right? Yeah. Um, My dad was asked by our denomination uh, to go with an opportunity to basically like relaunch this uh, Korean church in Chicago. So, mm. um, so my dad said, "Heck yeah, I'm I'm on it." I, I don't know how that's how like I would have responded that way, but yeah, <laughs> opportunity to go to America. Let's do it, let's do it. So, 19, 1997, uh, my dad decided to say yes. 1999 or 1998, he goes first. Um, if you understand how the immigration system works, you got to go get your papers, documents, get interviewed, the whole nine yards, right? So, um, the plan was to get everyone like all of our family members to go but the issue was w- with the particular visa that he was trying to get it's a it's a religious occupation visa it's really strict like who who, who goes in who, who goes out um so uh my dad gets approved first and he he lives here you know a couple months out of the, of the year um and my, my myself my brother and my mom were still back in korea and i remember like just this this in itself is a story because like 1990 Eight, late 1998 uh that's when we started applying for the visas so we go i remember going to the u.s embassy like almost every other week applying wow. you know, like filling out documents and you know it's my parents that did that and i remember um the first time we applied we got denied <laughs> right not not a surprise we got denied it was just my dad got that got approved and then second time we apply again we get denied and then, like third time denied again and then my my, my parents are like oh we got to go like this, this is like god's calling like like we got to we got to keep on moving forward right 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 so right. so for that religion denied, that, that'll screw with your mind yeah, man god yeah. tells you to do it all things are possible <laughs> baby let's yeah, go <laughs> so yeah fourth time we get denied fifth time we get denied like literally like every time i remember like we get the the uh, the, the package from um from the embassy and each time I, my my parents would open it like you could see the disappointment in their eyes like right right oh they're like oh like we didn't get it um, six times, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and and honestly, this is what I I I I have mad respects to my parents because like they had the tenacity and and perseverance and like they just did not quit. So like it's eleven times, and my dad's like, we're gonna do it, <laughs> we're gonna do it again. And so twelfth time, like ironically, the number twelve. How, right? how long does each time take roughly? Dude, it takes about a month, dude. Wow, it, it, it takes a long time. Um, so. And there's a lot of bureaucracy, right? Paperwork and all right, that. Right, for but sure. For sure. Twelfth time, I, I remember this day. Like I clearly, clearly, clearly I, I can still remember this. Um, so in, in Korea, we have like these roof, like flat roof, and you can build stuff on it. Um, my dad built like a little office on on top of the roof, and then I remember like uh, the mailman came 
Um, and then like we saw the mailman go by. So my dad's like, hey, let's go get mail, right? And then we go and we go downstairs, go to the mailbox, and there it is, package from the US Embassy. And we open it, or dad opens it, and he, you know, we're walking back into the house, and he's like, and he walks, he walks, and then his his step starts to go it's slower. He's reading, like he's flipping through the, the the passports, and then he pauses, and then he goes to the next passport, like he pauses, and like he he does that four, four times, and he's like, "All right, pack your things, we're we're, we're going." And so, like lo and behold, we get approved. Right? That's amazing. The, the yeah, United States finally said, "All right, you guys, you guys, I get it. Come on in, right?" Yeah. <laughs> so, like we knock on the door. Twelve times the charm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we finally get in, and I I literally remember it's like. Uh, that that night, my mom comes from work. Uh, she teach, she taught piano for like twenty five years. She comes wow. back from work, and like we're scrambling to pack. Like we get boxes open, like putting all our stuff in there. We ship stuff, and and then we get our plane tickets. And all I knew, I all, all I remember was having to go to school and tell my all my friends like that I'm moving. I'm basically moving to America. So that's December eighth, nineteen ninety nine, and and we move here. Uh, my my parents, you know, again, they're church pastors. They don't make a whole lot of money. Right. So we had $1,000, you know, $1,000 cash to their name. Uh, we moved to a tiny little one-bedroom apartment in Chicago. Uh, How many siblings? I, just me and my brother. Right? Just you and your brother. Okay. Yeah, yeah but it's a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, so my, my, my parents are sleeping in the dining room. So we set up a little bed in the dining room. And then in, in the, uh, the actual one-bedroom, that's, that's where my brother and I uh, slept. So, like, no, again, no English, no cultural, like, understanding whatsoever. Like, no, like we didn't have anyone, like, no friends. Uh, literally nothing, right? Like zero. Uh, it's like starting, starting all over. So like, whenever I hear people like, oh, like people who have privileges, blah blah blah. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, I literally, <laughs> I literally started with nothing. Like, I didn't even know English. Like, like first three years of, of my life, like up to third grade, I struggled so hard. Uh, fourth grade, like my my fourth grade teacher almost like failed me. She's like, she's like, you're not gonna pass fourth grade. Uh, fifth grade, like I I, I struggled a little bit. And then I think I had a, like a little awakening. Um, in sixth grade, like I started getting all, like, all straight A's and I like, just, something in me, like it, it just unlocked. Right. And then, so, oh, that leads to like somehow like a couple years later, our visa expires and our, our immigration attorney just like completely F's things up. And, um, supposedly we turned our paperwork in to, to get the green card, right. To, to stay here and live here for a long, like forever. Yeah. Um, our immigration attorney, like basically messed up. And I remember like getting uh we actually got a letter from the u.s uh u.s immigration department saying we're now legals like <laughs> like we were legal immigrant immigrants so i like i literally tried it all right i was an immigrant and became a oh legal immigrant God, <laughs> right so like i remember going to um deportation court like it's it was my family and like i saw some of the other like like hispanic families right like um like what appeared to be like a, a family from like one of those muslim countries i i didn't know but um like this was seventh grade dude or eighth grade so I was like, I was cognizant of what was going on. Yeah, you're and, aware. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm, here I am, like, almost, you know, I'm about to get deported <laughs> yeah, out, out, of, out of the United States. You know, like, like my entire life, my cultural understanding, I've, I've, I've been able to build it on here like, in the United States. So, but like, literally, it was just nothing short of a miracle from God that really, like, the judge said, yeah. hey, this is a special case. Like, clearly, the attorney is, like, basically, like, threw them under the bus. Uh, we're going to grant them a special path. Uh, to, to get their citizenship and then I was so thankful and I, I felt I think it, it was after that where I felt like like I felt a little bit of pa patriotism to where like I, I decided to join the military after graduating high school uh joined the U.S. Oh, Army really? yeah so I, I joined the military and um partly because like I, I I honestly like 
I, I think it runs in my my family, my blood. Like, I mean, if I I think every Korean man man would tell you, like we, like the country Korea was invaded like nine million times, like over <laughs> the last two years. Like China invaded <laughs> us, Japan invaded us. Like, like give us a break, right? So right. I felt like it was like probably my DNA to like join some kind of military organization. So I go through the military, come back, and then that's when I like something clicked in me where like I wanted to start a business, and that was like that's 2012, 2013. So started a business. I, I started out like with an MLM, like a multi-level marketing. I didn't do so hot. Uh, started getting to real estate. And that was like, that was it. That this is the opportunity that I like, I got, I, I fell in love with. I, I was obsessed. So 2014 is when I started the business. And then ever since then, uh, you know, now we launched the hedge fund company. Uh, we have, you know, software, we have courses, coaching, YouTube channel, like whole nine yards. So like, I get so annoyed when someone tells me like, the, the American dream doesn't exist. And I'm like, like, hello, <laughs> I got here. Like, I, I, I'm, how old are I'm you now? Story. Uh, I'm 29. So that's yeah, crazy, like, dude. So I, I remember how old like, is your brother. Uh, he's 27. So yeah, you're the older so brother. I am. I am. So I remember reading an article by Grant Cardone. Like it was a business insider article that said how to become a millionaire before 30. And like, I was so inspired by that. I printed that out, put it on the wall. I'm like, like I didn't believe it. I'm like, it's it's impossible. I, I am not going to be able to do it. But part of me is like, I'm going to do it. Like I'm, I'm going to make it happen. So like, yeah, like I made it. I made it work. So thank you, Uncle G, right for that. Uh, yeah, for shout that out Grant. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, crazy, man. man. Wow, I didn't realize. Um, I didn't realize that was that's a crazy, crazy story. Yeah. Dude. So like, what do you give us a little context? And by the way, like, are you talking into your mic? I just want to make yeah. sure that it's that, that your mic is good. Yeah, um, I'm good. Okay, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear. Yeah. Okay, cool. I see. Yeah, yeah. Mine's like I can see the little levers or like the little green going up and down. There we go. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But, so, like, tell me a little bit about your business now. Like, what do you guys do? Like in real estate, because sounds like you're pretty big in it. Like, sounds like you had yeah had a fair amount of success with it. Yeah. So, um, I guess like the hook, right? The hook I'm gonna get throw out there is like, um, so one particular year it was 2017. Um, something clicked for my brother and I. Like, it it, it it's it's so weird how success works because like. You, you work, 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 and then, like, nothing happens, and all of a sudden, like, boom. Like, it's just, like, a waterfall of all the blessings and, like, like yep. profit and everything. It's, it's, it's insane how that works. But, like, for the first three years of our real estate business, like, we just struggled so hard. Like, nothing was working. And so, 2017, um, What type of real estate were you trying? Yeah, so we buy, buy and hold apartments. So, 2017, we uh, acquired 75 rental units in just one year, like, that year alone. So we just went on like a buying frenzy, like we put it on a contract, bought it, put it on a contract, bought it. And, and we just so got seven, into, like, so, sorry, 75 apartment, like units or 75 yeah, actual units. buildings. 75 yeah. Units. 75 okay. units. So it was, it was a combination of, I think like six or seven different buildings. Okay. Um, and we just want to like a complete buying frenzy. And then, um, that's kind of like how, like what, what kind of set us like that, that like definitely kicked off. And it, like after it becomes what like much easier, Cause like, I, I think you, you get it. Like once you get it, like from there, like you understand the frameworks and, and you just kind of build on it. Um, so we've done, we've done that. And Daniel and I, my brother and I looked at each other and like, Hey, this is kind of boring. Let's, let's kick it up a notch. So two years ago or three years ago, um, right after that, like 2017 success, my brother said, Hey, let's, let's launch a hedge fund. And then we, we went on this like two year research, like figuring this process out, like what, what is it involved? And it was just literally last year when we, we put together a team together, um, and decided to launch a hedge fund specifically targeted to buying as much commercial real estate as possible. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. And, and, you know, by, you know, by all means, like we're not perfect, you know, we're not like 
Donald Trump rich. Uh, but like, that's what we're building towards to, right? And, and you know, I, you're gonna I, run for president someday too. <laughs> probably not. Well, I wasn't born here, right? So like the best oh, thing yeah, you can't run for just, president someday. Yeah. But my daughter could, you know, your daughter she, she could. born here. Yeah, all right, there you so go. Your daughter kid. She's my people, people yeah. tell me that that I should run for office all the time. Like all the time, people are like, oh, you should run for president. Yeah. I'm like, that sounds like hell, dude. That sounds oh, so dude. miserable. Like, yeah. Like I'm an entrepreneur, man. I like to get stuff done. Like not make yeah. deals and ugh. Ugh. Anyway. You, you get hated by half the half the people in the country. Oh, you get hated by a whole lot more <laughs> yeah. than half, man. You oh, get hated dude, by everybody insane. hates politicians. In fact, yeah. it's funny because everyone's like, nobody like Everybody hates Donald Trump, right? Like Donald Trump is the most hated person. Yeah. I also would argue that he's one of the most loved politicians at the same time, right? Yeah. Like, like you look at like someone like a Mitch McConnell or a Nancy Pelosi, like everybody hates them, right? Like yeah. Democrats hate Nancy Pelosi. Republicans hate Nancy Pelosi. Democrats hate Mitch McConnell. Republicans hate Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Like at least with Trump, like half the people love him, right? Oh, but yeah. Like, there's, there's nothing <laughs> base. Yeah, right. for sure. Right. Okay. I, I do want to back up there real quick. So like yeah. when you first, in 2017, when you were first buying your like apartment complexes, that <laughs> 75 units or whatever like how did you get the money to do that oh dude i love this question so like um so a lot of people think like they have to have like the money right they have to be like donald trump rich or they have to have like a dad who can lend them money money small loan um, of a million dollars yes small small loan of a million dollars yeah um that's completely untrue like um i mean just I, I think the epiphany that i had was uh one year uh it was yeah it was 2016 um we got this property under contract and like we got a like a super awesome deal, like sweet terms, and uh, I remember like the only thing that we couldn't come up with was a down payment. Like that was that was the only thing they were miss we were missing, and I was so frustrated. Like oh my gosh, like how do I break out of this? So and you I like watching, so I just so I just want to yeah. sorry I want to I want to make it super super simple because most people yeah. don't know everything that goes into a real estate deal, right? Oh for sure. So you you had it you had a building, you had a a price agreed upon with terms, yep. and you had financing for it. Yep. You just didn't have the down payment for the, right. to, to, to approve the financing and everything go through. So you had a bank loan 100%. and everything like that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, and, and it wasn't in a bank loan. I'll, I'll explain a little bit like how we actually skirt around some of the bank loans that like, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you're right. Like all we were, all we we're missing was the cash. Like just, that was it. And I remember watching a, a particular episode of shark tank, um, you know, shout out to all my sharks. Right. Um, and I remember seeing a guy come in, and I don't know why it didn't click for me like earlier, but saw a guy come in with a, like a genius plan. He was like super well-dressed and like part of me thought like, oh, he was, he's not going to get a deal, but like he, he did the pitch, sounded amazing. Like he, he nailed it. I can tell you practice. And at the end, um, I think it was Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful that made him a deal and said, Hey, um, I'm going to take a leap on this. You, you know, you know what you're talking about. Like you have all the data, you have all the knowledge, like I'm going to bet on you. And I'm like, wait, hold, hold on, like this guy literally, like all he did was ha have the data, knowledge, and, and time to put put together this deal, and just had like Mr. Mr. Wonderful basically put in money into this. And I'm like, it, it clicked for me, like, hold on, if if he if this guy can do that, can I also replicate that in real estate? Like, can I go and find people have who do have the money, and I can present uh, a certain deal or like at least know what I'm talking about, and go and find the money and, and like partner with other people. So that clicked for me, and. Long story short, um, I had a uh, family friend that said, "Hey Sam, I have you know I've spare sixty thousand dollars in cash and just lying around. I don't know what to do with it. I see that you're heavily involved in real estate. I see your Facebook posts. Uh, I see you know all the things that you're doing. Can I partner with you?" And I'm like, "Like it's happening." And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so like I, I I basically said I like, pitched the deal and I do the whole like Shark Tank thing, and he's like, "Hey, this makes sense. Let's do it." 
So we go 50-50 where uh, our first deal ever was uh, we bought a four unit, uh, four single family houses. It's a portfolio. Um, this uh, the partner pretty much put the, put the entire uh, down payment down. Uh, we had you know set up financing. Everything's good to go. So pretty much any profit that this the four houses generate, uh, we're splitting half and half. So I we, I still have the deal to this day. I I, I still keep it, and that that was kind of like the big undertaking. Like that was the the big epiphany that I had. I'm like. Let's do that again. So, so we go and raise more money, like find more people, find more partners. So on that, hold on, sorry, deals. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. On the, on the first deal though, yeah. Who did a bank? I mean, I know your partner gave you the down payment, but was it a bank yeah. finance? Yeah. So that's that's the thing is that we didn't have to do bank financing because we did we did something called owner financing, seller financing. I know you might be familiar with it, but yep. for the audience that don't don't. Yeah. Basically, the the person that was selling the houses for us became the bank. So like we were making payments, like monthly payments, just like a loan to the seller, but um, basically the seller was taking like monthly payments like a bank. We didn't have to take out a bank loan. So- That's um, super nice. It is. Like we negotiated everything, the interest rates, uh, put it on a, you know, like a 15 year term, make payments every month. And um, seller gets a little bit of tax advantage there as well. And we yeah. obviously don't have to get bank financing. So that worked out really well. So literally like it, it didn't involve any of our own credit, didn't involve any of our own money, but we get to keep 50% of the profit. And that's that's really been the model of like how we buy real estate, how we even buy businesses now. Like that's how we buy businesses today. Uh, and and essentially that that's kind of the the core like framework for even for our hedge fund is we raise capital from like all these super ultra wealthy people, and then we take that money and go buy real estate and make make money. So that's literally it. Like that's that's the framework we teach in our courses and coaching, like whole nine yards. Um, like I, I I we literally have a. a, a a student that raised like a million and two, uh, whatever. And he's, he's now buying a 106 unit apartment building and then he's done. Like he can retire. So like, it sounds like I I'm need like, to get awesome. into this, man. This internet marketing game sounds way more stressful than real estate. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it, it, I think both, like I've, I've, I've been in both, right? I, I do internet marketing. Um, you know, I build funnels. I love it. I, I love marketing. It's, it's, yeah. it's literally like my thing, but the, like I do both. And, and, and it's funny because like you can, you can, essentially apply the same concept like you you get from real estate and apply for marketing um like using other people's money to go do marketing and then make money and then right that's that's yeah that it always intrigues me like to leverage other people's funds and resources to grow yeah um, so, i yeah. think i think that's so it's it's interesting i think the biggest thing around that is people's mindset around money because like oh yeah man dude growing up like if there's this one thing that you didn't do, it was borrow money, man. Like <laughs> loans were just bad. And like my parents had yeah. part, part of the reason was that because my parents had tons of debt, right? Like yeah. and the house debt or whatever, that was always a stress point. And it was like, you know, borrowed money is bad money, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I'm not yeah. blaming my parents for that or anything like that. Right. And so like, I see a lot of people that are like, they don't want to borrow money or they're afraid to borrow money because even if it's, even if you're not borrowing it, but somebody else is putting it up, right? Yeah. On a deal that it's, I mean, like you're still responsible, right? Like something oh, yeah, goes wrong, sure. you're still on the hook, right? Yeah. And so it's just, it's interesting. Like, I think <clears throat> education around money is, like there needs to be a lot more education around how money works. Dude, 100%. And not just education about how to get rich, right? Yeah. Because like, I feel like 
and I'm not I'm not trying to bash Robert Kiyosaki or anything like that, but a lot of the you go to those conferences or whatever, and it's a big pitch fest, right? And the oh, yeah. pitch fest is buy our twenty five thousand dollar package and you will get rich type deal, yeah. right? Like yeah, I yeah. mean, not, but basically, right? And yeah. like I think one of the most <clears throat> beneficial things that I've done in my life is after I started making money was learning like how it worked and how to keep it, right? Like because yeah. I'm like. I made so much money so quickly and then I lost it all. Right. And so much, so much for me. Right. Like I was used to making $25,000 a year. And then all of a sudden I wake up two years later and made like a half a million bucks. And I'm like, Holy cow. Like, like, and then, you know, it's first class flights to Vegas and five star hotels. And all of a sudden 500,000 turns into like 25,000. And you're like, Oh, what? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's crazy, man. It just, just you're, like people, I think Taylor Welch probably, uh, you know who Taylor Welch is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Funnels, so like yeah. Taylor Welch probably has taught me m- the most, not even directly, but just like, it, like push me in the direction to like have a healthy relationship with money. Right. And yeah. be like, money isn't bad, but like, it's amazing. And you're, you're a testament to this, right? It is amazing yeah. how much money will flow to you if you are good with money. Right. Like if you know how to multiply, anybody can take money and put it into a 401k. It takes no skill. It takes no effort. And it's one of the worst possible investment vehicles (laughs) ever, in my opinion. Right. But but like anybody can do that. Right. Like, so, but like when you get good at money, when you know how to manage it, invest it, multiply it, protect it. Right. When you are actively doing deals, when you're building relationships, just like your friend or your, your relative or whatever it was, right. They got, like I got 60 grand sitting around. What do I do with it? Right. Like a lot of people have that. And I think it's a lot, you know, I grew up in this mentality that everyone was broke. Like nobody had extra money sitting around. That's what I thought. I was like, man, if you've got extra money sitting around, like you're rich. Right. But like, there's a lot of people out there that have 50 grand, a hundred grand. There's even a lot of people out there that have a million bucks sitting around and they just don't know what to do with it. It, And if you can be the person. Yeah. It amazes me. Like I I have to like actually like drill that down to like some of the students I have is like, Dude, yeah, literally, like, there's more money in the market right now than ever before. Like, what's more rare is an opportunity. Like, opportunities are more rare than than money right now. Like, and money, if you yep. can create opportunity, create value, like, you have you have no problem finding money. Like, money would just come. Yep. It, it just will. So, like, like to your point with, with debt, like, I I totally believe in like efficient debt versus like inefficient debt. Like, efficient debt. Well, is, I always like, always say debt is fine yeah. as long as it's making you money. Consumer 100%. debt is terrible. Yeah, like yep. I I I probably put I probably like get into debt. Like I spend a ton of money on ads, right? So like I use my American Express, right? Shout out to Amex. Uh, yeah. I get ton of, t- like I just swipe that thing with Google like all day long, but I get points and all that. But like to say it, like if I put a dollar in, I get $4 back. That is like, that is, I, I do that every day, right? right? Um, But like there's also bad debt, which is like debt that you buy like dumb things like boats or like, you know, like what Rich Dad Poor Dad would say, like do that, right? So one, one of the proponents like I have and, and, and it shocks me, like, people don't actually understand this, is that, like, pay off some of the stuff, like, it, it, that is inefficient. Like, if you have student loans, pay that sucker off because it's not doing anything for you. Right. Um, pay off your, 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 your home, but because, like, your home actually is, is, is going to cost you a long, in, in the long run than, than, than most people think. And I know, like, people get into this argument with me like, saying, oh, Sam, why would you ever pay off a, a 3% mortgage? Or, like, why not just go invest more? Like, wh- why do that? Um, there's actually, um, I don't know if you, if you didn't know this. Like, I, I hope this... This might be new. I hope it is because, like, I think I, I'm kind of the founder of this 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 ideology. But like, a lot of people don't understand. Like, your three percent or like two and a half percent mortgage is actually more like a, well, it, depending on how we measure, measure it. But like, the the effective rate is more like fifty or sixty percent. But 
here, here's how the bank gets you. This, this is something you can probably share with, with, with your crowd, Josh, like people with mortgages, is that like with a 30-year mortgage, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not like necessarily challenging you, but like, like do you know how like, like vast majority of the interest is paid up front, like the first 10 years? Do you know how that yeah, works, yeah. right? So yeah, I do, yeah. I don't know okay. if my audience does, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, vast, like if you get a 30-year mortgage today, um, it really doesn't matter what rate, like three, four, five percent. Uh, vast majority of the interest that you will pay over over the thirty years happens in the first ten years. Just look at the amortization chart. It's called amortization chart. Um, go look at it because you'll you'll see like the area where you pay the most amount of interest. Now the problem is uh, most people are think looking at this three percent thing. Oh, it's cheap. You know, historically low. Blah blah blah. The issue is the um, there's a the recent data that came out from the U.S. Census Bureau data um, that says the average adult here in the United States basically moves every seven to ten years. Like if you're from California, you're going to be moving every year. Like, cause you're, in, you know, you're like, this place sucks, right? You're going to go somewhere else. Um, same thing with like New York, New Jersey, but like literally you can move every seven or 10 years for a varying reason. Like your kids grow up, so you need a bigger house. Like, or your kids move out of the house, you're downsizing. You have a new job or a new career opportunity. Like you're like, we are so more, like we're more mobile than ever before in the history of the United States. Like we will move history more the world. Need. Yeah. Seriously. So if you think about it, if you you know if you stick around you know you're you're in your house for seven to ten years, you and you basically for that you know for those seven to ten years, vast majority of your mortgage payment has been interest. And let's say you decide to move out and buy a new home, get a brand new mortgage. Guess what just happened? You just completely like restarted that process all over again. Where you know once again your new mortgage payments are going to be because the equity in your house is still super low. Yes. So like a lot of people think, oh, 3% interest rate, it's so cheap, yeah, it's amazing. But little do people know is that because of lifestyle, social economic changes, if you move every seven to 10 years, you don't build a whole lot of equity, you haven't, done, you know, you haven't paid, off, paid down your mortgage anywhere near significant, where if you, know, if you keep doing that over and over and over again, it's like, like you're on a hamster wheel of never, never ending interest payments. So like pay that sucker off and, and like, you know, fortunately we do have a strategy that helps you like pay it off faster uh, but like, that's one thing, like a lot of people don't understand the banks know how to play the game better than you do. Like, yeah, you have to know, like, like you have to also ask yourself like, okay, so they're charging me 3%. How are they making money? Like, right. You, know, you gotta be able to question everything. Like what, you know, the, the, the things that like is accepted as normal question it. Like, why is it normal that we retire at 65? Why is it normal that we have to pay off our mortgage in 30 years? Why is it normal that we have to go to school, like college and get it to stupid, you know, student loans? Like, yeah. why? Like, just ask yourself and, and, and um, yeah, uh, know the truth. Like, follow the money and, and you'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah, it's super interesting, too, because, like, so I'm, I don't believe in buying homes to live in. I rent everywhere. Yeah, it's more of a lifestyle choice, really. Right. And, <clears throat> yeah. and that's what... And, like, I get it because, like, my mom and, like, a lot of my friends yeah. back at home, right, they're like... Well, you could buy a house and, you know, live in it for 10 or 20 years. It's going to go up in value. Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to make two or $300,000. And if you rent, right. like I pay like, I don't know, my rent's pretty high. I think I pay like $2,400 or $2,300 yeah, a about month. The same. Yeah. For, yeah. But for an apartment. And I live in an apartment and it is dope. Yeah. It is amazing. It yeah. is on a golf course and it's a corner unit and it's two bedroom, two bathroom and a den and in a fantastic area. And I am three right. minutes from anything in the world that you want. Like you Dude, name it, here. it's there. <laughs> Apple store, two minutes from my house. Verizon, yeah. AT&T, any restaurant that you want, anything, right? And I pay $2,400 a month, right? And people, yeah. you know, look at that and they're like, you're just throwing $2,400 a month down the drain, right? Yeah. 
And I look at it and I go, I have complete and utter flexibility. I have no repair costs. I have no property tax. I have, and yeah. oh, by the way, when a fire pops up that comes and burns down everybody's house, if my apartment would have burned down, you know what I would have been out? I would have been out uh, my computer and that's about it. Because yeah. everything else I would have gotten a check for, I would have gone to another apartment, put down the down payment, refurnished the apartment with the check and it kept right on living, right? Yeah. And it's like, that happens when you live in an apartment. And so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lifestyle me, choice. Yeah, it literally, like for you and me, like we're, we're like heavy going entrepreneurs. We got to be on the move. Like I, I don't have time to cut my like like mow my lawn. Like sure, I can right. pay people and, and do all that. Like I, I don't have time for that. Right? Like I, there's gonna be obviously like come a time because I, I have a daughter and and like I, I do want like the backyard and everything. Just, yeah, just, yeah. Just, like yeah, it's, that's how that's but that's that's a lifestyle choice. Like it's not a thing where like, oh, I got to move to a house. I got to buy it because I'm told to do it. Like it's, it's a thing. Like, no, like whatever, whatever like meets your lifestyle goals and like whatever like can, can enhance you. And, and also the, the opportunity cost, because I surely don't want to spend any time fixing stuff around the house. Like that's, that, that's not what I do. <laughs> I got, I got to focus on making money. Right. You make money. That's what you it. do. That's, that's what yeah. I got to do. And, and so even if I were to like, let's say buy a house, like, uh, it, it would only be for the reason that I know I'm going to be there for like 10 years, even though that's like questionable. Uh, and like, I would hire everything out, like mowing, like maintenance, everything. I will not want to touch maintenance with a template pole. <laughs> it's that's yeah. just my lifestyle. And I get it. Like, yeah. I, I'm totally with you in that. So for yeah. you guys, what's your primary? Cause you say you sell courses and stuff and things yep. like that. So like primarily or- are you just real estate? Are you real estate and education? Like what, like, what are you spending ads on? Like, what are you buying? Like, how does your business work? Give us like a two minute broad overview of everything that you guys do. I got you, bro. So, um, I know like your audience is like a lot of marketing, right? So yeah, marketing entrepreneurs, people that are just driven for, you know, they want wealth. They want to make money and they want to be free. Like, I think, I think what we call it the Josh 40 effect, because if there's one, there's one word that would describe my life, it's freedom right? Dude. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. that's the word, right? It's freedom of money, freedom in the mind, freedom to do what the frick I want. Like, I think that's like my audience at the very core, we just want to be free, <laughs> right? And money is a huge part of that. Yeah. So I'll literally break down pretty much like, yeah, as much as I can, as far as like my, how my funnel goes, like my offer, the whole nine yards. And a lot of it, like you, you may have heard Josh talk about, um, Russell talks about it. Like everyone who's been successful, there's a, there's a recurring theme of like what works. So, um, so yeah, I do have courses and coaching. Um, so the first like layer, uh, my, my very front end funnel, I, I do have a free plus shipping book. Uh, you know, we sell the books, um, calculators and all kinds of stuff. So that's like, you know, $7, $9, $29, very low ticket offer. And then ultimately what, what I try to do is, uh, liquidate the cost of my ads as much as possible. Uh, if, if not like very like minimal cost as possible. And then we send them to like a webinar, um, and that webinar gets them to check out our, we have actually, we, we actually have a consulting program where we, we help people pay off their mortgage faster. Um, and then really from there, uh, they have two choices. They, they can either stay there and, and stop, or they ascend to our real estate coaching offer, which we do have like a separate like funnel that goes into it. So you don't necessarily have to start like with the pay off your mortgage, you know, ascension, right? You can literally come directly to the real estate coaching um, or they go from, uh, they go to real estate coaching or they go uh, do, do what, uh, what we call the infinite banking concept. It's the whole idea of using uh, life insurance policy. I think uh, Brad, yeah. Brad, yeah, Brad, Brad does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's, 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 it's that. Um, so uh, we run a ton of money on ads promoting the how to pay off your mortgage uh, and also our real estate coaching offer. 
um, and then we run them. They're they're two independent offers, but they they kind of have a overlap. And I can ascend people from the pay off your mortgage uh, consulting over to roasting investing because a lot of that mindset is I want to get to freedom, right? Like I want to pay off my mortgage and I want to build my investments. I want to build my wealth. I want you know buy businesses, buy real estate. So there is a natural ascension. I think I want to say. 25% of our, all our clients that start there is sent to the real estate investing co uh, coaching. So that increases our lifetime value of the customers. Uh, we can, of course, pay, you know, spend more ads, whereas some of our competitors, they can't because that's, that's the only offer they have. Um, you know, we have other, like, you know, I have my, my other side hustle stuff. Like I have e-com uh, partnership. Uh, I do mine crypto here, here in our server room. So it's running constantly 24-7. Um, but that's, like, main thing. And, of course, my legacy play is my hedge fund. Which you know, I the goal there is to get to a uh, billion dollar AUM, which is asset under management. So um, control billion dollars worth of real estate, and then um, God knows what I'm going to do after that. Maybe sell my 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 portion of that hedge fund, or go start another fund that focuses on buying businesses. I don't know. Like sky's the limit right now. So, so yeah, it sounds, like, dude. It sounds like you do because you're 29, right? Yeah, 29. Like yeah. it's and you started back in 2017. Yeah, that's like when like things trick like it hit like something happened in my brain and it's like unlocked the, the the it unlocked everything like I needed to get unlocked to be successful. So yeah, but like I mean, how big's your team? Uh, so I have four in house like here in this office, and then I have a Tennessee uh, office. It's got four employees. Uh, I got an employee in Florida, and then one in Arizona. So ten. Yeah, yeah roughly. Yeah, and it's you and your brother. It's me and my brother. Yep. Yeah, you, so you scaled relatively quickly, though. Like, for you to have, like, the properties that you have, and then you wrote a book. Which, what's the book on? Is that? Yeah, so I have, I have three books. Uh, the first one didn't count. It was a practice book. <laughs> so, um, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, the first, yeah, so the first legit book is uh, Zero Seventy Five Units in One Year. So that's literally a book that, that like tells our story of how we did it, like, that, that one, one year. And then the second book I wrote is, uh, do I have it here? Yeah, I do. Uh, it's, it's break free from your mortgage. There it is. So literally a guy breaking out of uh, the, 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 the door. And then this one I wrote with my partner, uh, David, and myself. And then this book talks about the strategy uh, and why it's important to pay off your mortgage. Um, yeah, I, I do want to write another book uh, titled um, we, the, we the Rich People. So it's like, like, the, like the Constitution, like the preamble. So like We the People, right? So I'm going to do read the, with the, the same exact font as the Constitution, but I'm going to do like parentheses rich. And then the, the sub tag will be uh, the, the secret, secret underground playbook that only the top 1% know to grow their wealth. So I'm going to talk about all the like secret like tax codes and like building your wealth a certain way. Like I really want to expose like what the, what the top 1% know because like it just annoys me all the time. Like people tell me like, oh, you know, the, the rich has their own set of rules and, you know, like they have their own way of like the, 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 the tax codes made for the rich people. I'm like. Yeah, but you can use it too. Like, you can, right, like everyone right. can participate in this game of, of growing your wealth. Like, quit, quit playing the victim, right? So yeah, um, I, I want to write a book about that. Like, that literally exposes everything that the top one percent know to grow your wealth. So nice, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, because so I'm I'm trying to figure out what the secret to your rapid success is on this. Which, by the way, we got oh side yeah. note on books. You know who Billy Jean is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Billy. did you see he's writing a book? No, I, you know, like the last, last, the last I've heard from him, he did is, uh, I'm retiring off. He's retiring. <laughs> <laughs> I saw okay, that. Okay, like, Billy. Oh my gosh. 
Okay. But no, so I got an email from yeah. him. This was like, I don't know, a couple months ago. And, yeah. you know, Billy, Billy's a big black guy, right? I mean, he's hilarious. Yeah. I love Billy, right? Anyway, so he, I, I was in one of his ads programs. So anyway, I get his emails. And he's writing a book. And he was, I think he said he was high. And he was super tired when he was sending the email. So there's spelling errors. So please just ignore it, right? He hit send. Yeah, yeah. And like the email in it, and the, the name of the book is called Rich White People Secrets. <laughs> and it's like basically attention. a black man's guide to getting rich. <laughs> and, but the name of the book is called Rich White Man Secrets. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Rich yeah. White People Secrets. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Like that's oh, such man. a Billy book. I, 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 I want to buy like thousands of copies and send it to all the, the BLM people. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, here's an example. <laughs> Right, go, go learn. right, right. Well, and Billy, uh, it's so funny because he's not political at all. He goes, yeah, yeah. You can have your, you all play your blue crap, red crap. I like right, green right. crap, right? And yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, all right. I, I like that. I like that. That's, uh, funny. that's funny. Okay, <laughs> but like, you grew quickly, yeah. right? And so, like, one of the things that, you know, it's interesting because I get told a lot, I'm like, ah, oh, Josh, you're so young and successful and blah, 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 right? All the things. And I'm like, all right, well, I know reality, right? I yeah. know exactly how successful or not successful that I am, right? And I get yeah. to determine uh, success in my own terminology, right? And some people doing money or this or that or whatever. But like one of the things that, you know, as I look back over um, the last seven years, let's say six or seven mm -hmm. years of my life, since I, you know, six years since I've been into entrepreneurship, I made a lot of mistakes that, that I think squandered a lot. I, I mean, I could be significantly, significantly more successful than I am today if I would have done things a little bit differently, right? Mm -hmm. But there were any number of reasons, right? And you can look at whether that was, you know, where I grew up or yeah. the experiences that I had or my brother dying or, you know, just any, you know, my relationship with money, like all the different things, right? That, that, that prevented me or in some cases helped me get to where I'm at today, right? And so I look back at that and I go, cool. So as I look for, because I'm, I'm about to turn 28, Right. So I'm 27. I'm about to turn 28. February 1st, I'll be 28. Right. Nice. So I'm looking at this and I go, sweet, I'm going to be 28 years old as I'm, you know, kind of entering my third, you know, about to enter my 30s in the next, you know, two years or so. I want to look back and go, cool. How do I do what I did in my 20s in like 10 times that in my 30s? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I expedite that process? How do I, you know, build things that are actually going to last? Because I look at so much of my social media. I mean, at one point, I had a Facebook group of 30,000 members. I don't have it anymore. I let it die. <laughs> Right, that's a massive yeah. asset that I just let die because I was confused in what I wanted with my life and my own my own head and my own brain. Right, sure. there's lots of assets that I built online that I just let die because I didn't understand that they were an asset. I didn't mm -hmm. understand the value that they had. Right, with real estate, it's relatively easy for anybody to be able to comprehend. Hey, listen, there's a building here. It's a building. It has value. If I buy it, eventually it's going to be paid off. It's, I'm going to own it. There's an asset, right? But in the yeah. internet marketing game, it's much more difficult oftentimes because you're going to have a Facebook group that has 30,000 members and a Facebook group that has 30,000 members and one of them be worth something and another one not, right? Like it's very, you know, it's kind of like how you use it. And so for me, like I didn't grow up, I, I mean, I grew up homeschooled, so I didn't go to public mm -hmm. school. I didn't play sports. I've never been part of a team, right? I had, I had no leadership or team building skills, right? I worked on a farm and it was, that was just what it was. And so I, you know, one of the things that I've really been studying now is systems and team building, right? Yeah. How do I build a team? How do I build systems? Because like, I can't do it all myself. And so I, I love asking people this question, which is like, what, like for you being 29, right? So just, you know, what, a year, a year and a half older than I am, right? It, give or yeah. take, when's your birthday? Uh, September. 
September. Okay, so you yeah, just yeah. yeah, so like a year and a half older than yeah. I am, right? Like, what was what has been hmm. the secret or secret, right? What has been the thing yeah. that has allowed you to have the amount of sustainable success, multiples yeah. of success that you've had it by the time that you have? Yeah. So real quick, I, I, I want to give you this before I like lose that thought. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I'm coming off a cold. It's not COVID. It's probably not. Uh, so even if it is, you can't give it to me. So oh, it's all yeah, good. Heck no. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, this is one thing I want to give you like before I like jump into that thought. So, yeah. um, cultural index. So this is a, um, like an assessment that I use uh, now to like build my teams, like re retain people. Um, it literally, like I talked, I just chatted with Bill Allen, um, uh, for those who, who know who that is, he's he's in my industry, real estate, um, and uh, yeah, like Bill has been telling me like this has been his secret sauce as well. But cultural index is an assessment where you can um, use to assess like um, the level of autonomy that your team member has. Like how well they, are they like following direction versus like how well they know like do, they just create directions and they go right. So like I am like super high in autonomy. Like you don't need to tell me what to do. I got it. I'll pave the way. Let's go. Um, there's like, it, it also gauges like your pace, how fast you go, how slow you go. It gauges your details. Like, are you big mm. picture or detail oriented, uh, ingenuity? Like how, how likely are you to create new solutions versus like, Hey, sticking, sticking with what works. So like I do that assessment with, um, with all my team, because I know like someone who is like a, a strategist probably should have like a high a or like medium a, uh, and should like be able to understand like the big picture. Right. Whereas someone who like is in the nitty gritty, like they're software developer and, and like, you know, that's, that's what they are. They should probably have a medium, low, a like high details, high logic. Um, you know, and, and so like, it gives me like what propensity they have to be good at what they do. And also like, it, it helps to know, like, um, if they do the wrong thing for a very long time, they can burn out and, and they can, you know, stress out and everything. So like, we just recently did that for our, <clears throat> our entire team. Where I can like kind of rearrange some people and like, hey, you probably shouldn't have been there because like that's gonna tire you out and it's gonna kill you. We should move you here and then you can do better. And even like I'm I'm looking to hire more people right now. Like I, I know exactly what I'm looking for based on that assessment. So really powerful tool, but just you know, for you and your and your listeners. So going back to your original thought, like what I can attribute success to, um, like scaling and growing. Honestly, like if, if, if I'm going to be in, and I know this is going to come off cheesy, but it, it really is the real answer is like, like coming from the faith background, like it, it literally has everything to do what God has given me. Like he literally just like opened his hand and like, just gave it to me. And like, he's like, take it and run with it. Um, and like, just looking back, like every moment where I, I, I knew it was like a pivotal moment, like the doors opening, I can like point to it. Like, I know those are God moments. Like. I, w I was once an affiliate for another company and uh, I, I just felt this like tugging my heart, like just being led by the spirit is saying like, you got, you got to get out of here. Like I'm, I'm going to open the door for you and you're going to do bigger and better things. So like that year like, as an affiliate, I was making $180,000 with that company. Um, and then when I left that company and started my own thing, that following year, I made $600,000 like wow. just after that. And it, and I'm like, wow, like, like God, God wanted me to do this. And it, it <clears throat> and, um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like, like the, the company I was with, like was terrible or bad, but it was just like, um, where I was going to be, to grow and, and to, to be challenged. And, and cause I, I, part of, part of the thing was like, I, I didn't feel challenged. Like I, I thought I, I felt like I was going through, through a routine, uh, just being an affiliate. Whereas like, 
when I launched my new my, my own thing, I I felt like I, I I had more room to grow. I was being challenged. There were moments that like I struggled, sure, but those are the the moments where I I, I was I was happiest because like I I saw progress even in my own like self. So um, so like as a as a as a follower of Jesus Christ, like one thing I've 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 come to realize is that it's not really like it's really what you're forced to do, um, because like I've I've learned to internalize that as as God's kids. He's gonna give us like the best thing since sliced bread. Like he he wants us to give us a good gift. Like be, me being a dad, like I want to give my daughter Rebecca like the best thing ever. Like I, I want to I want to send her the best schools. Like make sure they don't teach CRT. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to make sure like she gets taken care of, right? So like I I I like every single day. That's what I'm thinking about as a dad. And like and I'm only I'm only human. Like I can only see so much. But here's God who sees everything and knows everything and infinitely like it's he's omnipotent and he knows everything that that I need and, and want and what I'm capable of. Like I just need to open the hand and and I have, I have a mentor of mine. His name is Andy. I got to introduce him to Andy. He's, he's amazing. Um, he says, you know, God just wants you to open open your hand and leave it open because the moment you like like he gives it to you and like you, you close it. And and you you force it and you're like oh, I'm gonna take control of this it's mine like I'm gonna I'm gonna force something that's 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 the moment where you leave room for not only idolatry but also like it it, it leads you more than you being um, you leading it so um, you know one pivotal moment is um, in 2013 uh, I, I, this is something I didn't, I didn't mention um, I did a lot of DJing so I, a lot of people don't believe me when I say this like I, I used to be a DJ I used to DJ bars nightclubs and all that that was like before I. Like I had this like transformational moment with, with Jesus, but like I remember like I I said a silent prayer. I was like kind of half kidding, but I, I I said a silent prayer to God. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna open my hand, God. If you if you take away this DJ thing for me and you have something better for me, make it happen, right?" And I I I only prayed like maybe once, like and half seriously, right? But even that half serious prayer, prayer prayer, God's like, "I got you." And then that following year is when I discovered real estate, and then that's that's when I like decided to sell all my stuff like. You know, kind of leave that identity behind, and then move into this new identity of being a, a real estate, the real estate guy. So, nothing I've done, I, I'm, I'm realizing, I, I could, I could attribute to me doing it because, like, the right people showed up at the right time, the right doors opened at the right time, and it was just me, like, just having that open mind of, okay, God, what, what is, what is the next thing you want to, you want to give me? And even now, like, okay, God, like, what is, what is it? Like, I, I got my hand open. I'm not gonna try to force anything. Um, like even if sales are down or, you know, like leads aren't coming in or like our, our numbers are down, like I'm going to, I'm going to still have my, my hands open to you and not force anything. And so, um, it is that thing that I've, I've, I've learned to internalize and I'm still learning. I mean, I'm nowhere near perfect, um, that I attribute to my success and Mm. like learning from Russell, learning from you, learning from, you know, several different people like along the way. Um, like I look back, I'm like, wow, like. It's crazy to think like I've done all these like tactics and strategies that these guys are sharing, but like unconsciously, like I was doing them accidentally, but I know that was like God giving me the wisdom, like almost giving me this like tactics and strategy without really me knowing that it is a strategy. Yeah. And, and, and so honestly, that, that's it. Like I am not the smartest guy in the world. Um, you know, I, I think I'm more, um, I think I have my hand hand open more to like learn and take criticism and to and to grow that way. So, yeah, I put I put a lot of faith faith in God, and I know like this could definitely kick off our conversation about like 
is the yeah, Bible well, real? I, I do want, right? Yeah, I do want to take it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. take it that route. I, yeah. But real quick, though, how has yeah, yeah. Um, how has building a team changed you? Mm. Oh, man, I, I got to tell you, this is the hardest thing. I, like, building a team is the hard. It really is because, like, I am – and just, like, throughout my life, like, I, I've been a <laughs> – for lack of a better term, I was a loner, right? Like, I – a lot of it, it comes from arrogance. Like it, it, that's that, you know, it's like, I, I can do better than everybody. Like, yeah. And, and, and I, I, I don't mean to like say this in an arrogant way, but I, I just was like, if, if, um, you know, if I, if I worked on a project like in, in the, in the school, like if it was like a team project, I could, I could do it better alone, like faster, better. Like it just turned out better. And so I had this belief, like if I do it alone, like if I, if I'm by myself, like if I take this and crush it, I'm going to do better. But like one thing I've learned, um, and some of you guys may have heard this, is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yep. And the biggest thing I've learned this year and really the last two years is I had to learn how to um, curve my arrogance. Like that's what it is. I got to call it for what it is, right? It comes from ego and comes from arrogance. And I, I've got to learn to curve that. And I've, I've also, I'm learning in the process where I'm not always right. Like I'm, I'm just not. Like, and, <clears throat> you know, I got to rely on my team. Um, and, um, and trust my team that they're going to do well. And, and I know they will, they, they want to do well. Um, and, and people ha are creative in their own ways. So, um, I've learned to let go a lot in terms of like what I control. I'm a control freak. Like I, I just am, you know, you know, like in the disc assessment, I'm, I'm a high, high, high D. Uh, it's, it's just one of the things like I'm, I'm that's how God wired me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've, 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 I've been challenged a lot the last few years building a team because, People have different ideas, different way of seeing things. I got to be able to accept, like, they, 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 they could be right as well, and, and yeah. I, I could be wrong as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's that's probably something you got. You have to internalize as as the founder, um, as as like number one, right? Like, you have to rely and trust that your team's got it, and if it, they will make mistakes, hundred percent, like that, that's just inevitable. But it's how you show up in those mistakes. Like, are you gonna like scorn them and like? like whip them in the back or are you going to, you know, use compassion to lead and, um, and help them grow. So, um, but what I, at the end of the day, what, what you need to believe is that you need to see in your, in your team. Um, and again, taking this from the faith angle, you need to be able to see your team members, how Jesus sees them. Like you need to be able to see like they're, they're loved and, and they're, they're, um, they're created in the image of God. Like everyone is. And if you, if you see them that way, um, you can deploy more empathy, you can deploy more compassion, you can deploy more patience to where, you know, it, you're not like, oh, you screwed this up, you screwed up on funnel, like, how dare you, you're fired, right? Um, it's more so seeing who they can become in five or 10 years that they're going to blossom and they're, they're going to they're be a rock star. So that's what I internalize every single day uh, with my team. Like, I, I believe in every one of my team. I, I rarely want to fire people. Because like I believe in in retain, retaining them and, and growing them and helping them grow to become the rock stars that they're they're meant to be. So, nice. um, that's 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 really the hard thing, really for okay. me at least. Yeah, awesome. All right, so I want I do want to shift to the the question of Christianity and the question of faith yeah. because you know this is uh, this is an interesting topic and I, I'm I know I'm excited. I was trying to find yeah. uh, your comment on my post, but it's kind of I think it's kind of buried in there somewhere. I was just trying to. There's so many yeah. comments on it, but yeah, I, I'm curious to know, like, I want to know your, um, 
I don't even know what question to start with on this, but I want to know your yeah. uh, your take on the Bible and your take on Christianity. Because let me give a little context, and I think you know for those for those of you that have listened to the podcast for a while, I I think you probably know a little bit about this. But for those that don't, like you know my my background in the faith is very interesting in the sense of I grew up in a my, my parents were first generation Christians, if you will, right? Yeah. I mean, there's certainly now faith in my dad on my dad's side and on my mom's side both much more now than there was mm -hmm. i think growing up but like they kind of were the ones that in their faith they kind of broke free from free from the mold and so they went they went the ultra conservative route like the way i like yeah. to think about it is there's the one extreme of you know do whatever the frick you want and then there's the other extreme of cult-like religion and they were much closer to that cult-like religion mm. uh when i was growing up right and so you know, I believed in the Bible. I believed in Jesus growing up. I, I mean, I gave my my life to Christ when I was, you know, very young. I think I was like seven years old or something like mm -hmm. that, right? And I was like, yeah, hey, I'm a Christian now, yeah. But like, as I grow grew and in my teenage years, especially, it was there was a lot of fighting, uh, and there was a lot of rebellion and a lot of things that I just didn't understand. Like the church just seemed so judgmental, yeah. and like they, I, you know, like I wanted to get a tattoo and I wanted, and it was like you're gonna go to hell, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess I'm going to hell. Like, what do you do? Yeah, right? yeah. And so like. And then I left my, I left one church and went to another one and it had, uh, you know, not, not great experiences there. I had some, I mean, I want to give credit where credit is due. You know, some of the people there were awesome, but just overall, like, mm. I just, eh. and so yeah. for me, like I grew up in a very money tight home that was in a lot of scarcity mindset. And uh, I give my parents credit for so many, so many things like that. I mean, the, my work ethic is hundred percent them and, and my understanding of faith is because of them. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the time, like I thought money was the answer. And so I went all in on money and on entrepreneurship and kind of went on this whole journey and just kind of was yeah. like, God, I know you're there and I acknowledge that you exist. And that's about it. Right. No church, yeah. no nothing. And then my brother dies in a helicopter crash and mm. leaves behind a five-year-old son and a pregnant wife. And like, and I'm like, what the God, like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, kind of like looked at him and, you know, cursed and screamed. And so at that point I was like, all right, I've got to go, I've got to go figure out life because yeah. like my whole identity was destroyed at that you point. Know, you know, what's interesting. Like the, the moment that like you, you cursed at God and, and you did all that, that's probably like you, that moment, you probably had more intimacy with God than, than yep. most Christians. And yep. here's how it, here's how I see it is um, a lot of people, and, and I'll, I'll make some like some crazy, uh, not crazy comments, but like I'm, I'll make some comments that I think would definitely be shattering for the traditional religion. Um, I, I've come to to realize that um, tradition traditional religion has no power to save. It it, it just does yep. not. Yep. Um, and you know, God's well, because traditional religion is mostly yeah. works. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of things that God's been revealing to me lately. Um, and I'll start with this like thesis, and then we'll we'll back we'll, we'll work backwards. But like I. I've just having this really strong conviction as well as like just revealing God's been revealing. I think it's going to be our generation in the next that will completely transform what, what the church is going to look like. I, I truly yeah. believe that um, we're going to go into this, uh, this vision of church no longer being in a building that church is going to be more of a, a, a group, a hangout, you, you know, and that's what it, it was originally meant to be like, you know, this notion that you go to church to be saved is completely backwards because a church is a collection of people who, who are God's community, right? Yep. So the, the order is completely messed up. I, I think the, the, the proper order is actually um, you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, right? You, you get saved. You, you have this relationship, but, and because you have the, 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 the relationship with Jesus and you're in pursuit of, of him every day, you 
happen to associate with other people that have that same goal and have that same relationship with Jesus. And when, when there are two people and three people, four, five, six, and it, just, it becomes a community, that is a church. And, um, and, and so this whole idea that a church is a building, and, and, and I, I know some people may have moved away from that, but like, I think it's going to be the next 20, 30 years where I think God's going to completely shuffle things around and truly um, break church out of its shell and you know be formless like water i think bruce lee said this but the best like you got to be like water like it'd be formless it, it, it can it could literally contain in whatever contain containment and it'll it'll be it'll be that form so i truly believe in the next 10 20 30 years um it's going to happen in this gen and i think it, it will truly solidify my daughter's generation that uh we're going to start to see uh gatherings uh that honor honor christ that isn't necessarily happening inside a church. In fact, I yeah. want I want to see this breakaway of just just meeting on Sundays. I want to see fellowship and 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 church happening on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And that's what it it's designed to be. Like you're supposed to come together, break bread, um, talk about what God's doing in your life, and and share those moments. And I, I genuinely see that being more powerful than what church is and has been in the last two hundred years. The 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 institutional building church. So yeah. that's. Yeah, that's that's what God's been putting in my heart as a conviction, and I think that's going to have more capacity, more reach in the community um, to to show who God is in, in in the world. Yeah, rather than like a little clubhouse that we have on Sunday morning. Well, right, and and I think, and I you know I do think that, like you said, that that clubhouse type of feeling is is part of the issue yeah. as well, and also because. <clears throat> A lot of the leaders of the church are some of the most corrupt people, especially, you know, you look at the Catholic church and everything that's been yeah. going on there. I mean, and it just all the craziness of it all. I do want to like, I want to get to uh, the question though, which is, so finishing the story, like my, my brother goes, I sell my company and I'm like, yeah. I'm out. And so my girlfriend and I start traveling around the world. She's my wife now, right? We got married, yeah, yeah. which is awesome. And I love her to death. She's amazing. So we go around the world and long story short, she ends up getting sick with like an intestinal eating mm -hmm. parasite. And like, we have to like fly home. And it's just like, Life has been crazy, right? But anyway, so, but during that time, I, I start studying specifically, like all different sorts of, uh, sorts of religions, mm. but like my purpose was not to, uh, at that time was not to figure out which religion was right. Yeah. My purpose at that time was to understand God, right? And to be like, who is God and what is my relationship with him? Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was a time very specifically over in Australia. And this was a very, it was like a defining moment in my life. I actually posted a picture. I'm like hanging off this tree with all of these purple flowers. We, we went to this church uh, over there. And then when we got mm -hmm. done, like there was just this moment where like I experienced God. And like at that moment, like I, I knew that he was real and I knew that he loved me. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, people, you know, you say like, you'll, you'll know your faith if you live it, like when you experience it, right? Mm -hmm. Like at that moment, like I experienced God, like I never had before. And so like, it was at that moment, I was like, okay, I, you, no one will ever, ever be able to convince me that God doesn't exist. And they'll never be able to convince me that God doesn't love me. Right? Like, yeah, it's just not right. And I know not everybody's had that experience, but I have. Mm -hmm. Well, so then after, at that point, my my focus then shifted and it was shortly after that that my you know my wife got sick and we came home but like i studied so many different religions that if, you know at, at that time and i looked at it and one of the things that i hear a lot is well all religions are true right mm -hmm. like i hear that from you know a lot of you know people that are spiritual they're just like oh yeah, yeah it's the all religions we all love god or like whatever and yeah. like i always look at them and i go okay i clearly know that you have no idea what you're talking about because if you actually studied any form of religion at all let me tell you they are not the same right they are not even yeah. close to the same 
right? You know, the, the universalism is really like, let's call it for what it is. They just don't want, don't want to offend people. <laughs> right. They don't. Like, and they want to, they want to believe is. that yeah. every, like everybody, everybody is good. Right. Like I, yeah. I see so many, you know, people that may, believe that man is fundamentally good. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what world you're living in, but. That ain't the case. Like, look around, right? Like, there's no way that man is fundamentally good. Anyway, so I go through, and where I really started to struggle, right, was I looked at people, and I'm going to, you know, use the the three people that I used, you know, when I'm talking about is I look at Russell Brunson, who's a Mormon, Mm -hmm. or Glenn Beck, who's a Mormon, right? I look at uh, Ben Shapiro, who's a Jew, and I look at Ravi Zacharias, who he just passed away recently, but was, you know, one of the phenomenal, phenomenal Christian, right? Like a scholar or whatever. And I'm like, these three people have all given their entire life to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Like dedicate, like everything about them is like, that's the focus. And yet their beliefs are fundamentally different. Like mm-hmm. Jews don't believe that Jesus was the son of God, right? Like, right. And, and, and Mormon, you know, Mormonism and Christianity, like is, I know a lot of Mormons like to say they're the same thing, right? But like there's direct contradictions from the book oh, yeah. of Mormon and the Bible. There For just sure. are, right? And yeah. so like, I look at those and I go, how is it that I'm supposed to know with complete and utter confidence mm-hmm. that the Bible is the right one, right? And like, I <laughs> yeah, grew yeah. up, I grew up believing in the Bible. I grew up around that whole environment. And I will say everything that I have gone through and, you know, the more I read the Bible and follow the Bible, like the better my life gets. But at the same time, I look at it and I go, how crazy would it be to dedicate your entire life to a book only to wake up at the end of your life or after you die and find out you were wrong? Right. Yeah. And I struggle yeah. with that. And so I, I'm going to hold off what my pastor you said here. I want to hear your thoughts on it because, yeah. you know, you're you're very you're very obviously convinced of this. It sounds like. So, like, what's your take <laughs> on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not here to argue against, you know, different um, theological differences between, you know, the, the Latter day Saints, Catholics, Jews. No, I just uh, want to know why you right. think it's the Bible. Yeah. So. You know, here's what it comes down to, and and I can argue, I can make it a, a make an argument or or a proposition for for two different um, school of thoughts. So the first thing is just from a historical and logical context. Um, you know, you start with who who wrote the Bible, the the authentic, authenticity of it. You know, in, in the historical historical context. So let's start with this, right? The the Bible, <coughs> single large single largely the manuscript, the, the original, you know, written form. Uh, we have there, there's more like it's it's got the most manuscript copy out of all the historical books like there's close to i think um and i, I might be misquoting here and, and i'll have to google this but like over uh, probably eight ninety or nine nine thousand manuscripts of the original bible i'm, I'm um, gonna google yeah, it while you talk yeah you know i could probably just i mean i could probably do the same thing but um odyssey's home homer's odyssey has got only like 400 500 original manuscripts and it's not the most reliable so when you look at there you go from, right yeah. According to Wikipedia, <laughs> there are over 5,800 complete or fragmented Greek right. manuscripts, 10,000 Latin manuscripts, and 9,300 <laughs> manuscripts and variations of ancient languages yeah. such as Syriac and Gothic. Yeah, you, yeah. There's, you know, primarily the Bible is written in Aramaic, uh, Koine Greek, and uh, Hebrew, right? So, so you got there, yeah, 5,800 and 10,000 of them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's quite a few, like where you can go back to the original and, and, and a lot of this is being held by Vatican and, and some of the big scholar scholarly places. But when you look at the, um, from a, a, a literature standpoint, like the Bible you read now is pretty darn close to the original manuscripts, like 99 point some percent, like pretty darn close. Really? Yeah. And what is, and what is the, the difference or what is wrong is like certain like punctuations will be missing, right? Like it, or you know, like it is like, comma dot right so even if like let's say that's not even true like 
let's say 99% is not even a thing. Um, the, the, the essence of, and the spirit element of the, the Bible is true. Like the fact that, you know, Jesus Christ was here 2000 years ago, came here, was the son of God and, you know, died, had a, had a ministry, died on the cross. And, um, you know, was, was, um, uh, uh, I don't say born again. Uh, I, um, he, I'm trying to find the right word. Dang it. I don't know. Uh, he rose again, and uh, and and that was in a resurrected. Sense, yeah. yeah, resurrected. Thank you so much. See, like I'm trying to go from Korean to English, um, <laughs> like like that. That in a sense is true. Like right, like you don't you're not exclusive exclusive a substantive substantive fact with that, right? Um, and every other you know parables and stories that that support it. Um, th- there's the essence and element into that. So. When you when you have the scholars and people literally dedicate their entire life validating the the, the authenticity and, and legitimacy of the actual Bible compared to what we, how it was written two thousand years ago, it, it's pretty darn close. Like ninety nine point some percent um, is what scholars say. And you know if you want to go back and read the original Koine Greek, Aramaic, Aramaic Hebrew, it's it's there, right? You, you can go back and read it. And oftentimes I would just for fun <laughs> go and read like the the Greek version of the Bible. Because uh, it's it's really interesting to see like um, how how it can be interpreted a little bit differently, uh, but every almost all theologian, the Christian theologian, have access to Greek Hebrew text. It's not like it, it's it's hidden from them. So you know that's 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 one of the reasons why I believe the Bible to be true. Uh, it's probably the most safeguarded, um, you know, protected literature in the history of ever. Like period. Uh, so. You know, when you look at it from a more of a literary historical context, like even like the 1949 or 1948, uh, the, the Red Sea Scrolls, right? Like it, that was a good validation test because, um, you know, we had all these translations over the 2000 years. It was translated to German, it was translated to Latin, translated to English. And then, you know, right. So um, when you have the the multi multiple translated copy and then when they found uh, yet again, another original manuscript, like. 60, 70 years ago, and they, when they compared it, I'm like, holy smokes, there's not a whole lot of variation here. Oh, really? So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. if you go and read like, like a lot of the Red Sea Scroll, like the original manuscript, there's no like actual complete, you know, like text with the Red Sea, a lot of the Red, uh, Red, Red Sea Scroll, um, the, the newly translated version and um, the, the original Red Sea, there's not a whole lot of variation there. There might hmm. be more of a cultural, cultural interpretation that's different. Like, um, like if you read the, I, I can read Korean and English. So if I read the Korean Bible, like where it says when Jesus is tempted, it says man does not live uh, on bread alone. In Korean translation, it says man does not live on rice cakes alone because the, the idea of bread, the bread doesn't exist in Korea, right? <laughs> so it's like the, 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 the Korean translator is like, all right, we got to figure this out. Like, like bread, <laughs> bread did not exist 100 years ago. Like, So wait, least, wait, wait, wait. Does it, yeah. does it say like, so when Jesus is like, I am the bread of life, does it say I am the rice cakes of life? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's like, hilarious. Yeah, but that's like culturally accepted as like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, we eat rice cake every day. Like, whereas like the Western culture is like, yeah, we eat bread every day. So it, it, it's the, the, it's not the literary, but it's more so like, what does it mean? Like, you know, from, from a uh, uh, contextual, I mean, so it, it's, it's more of that differences so, than, than anything else. So what, what I'm hearing you say is that, cause like one of the big arguments that you hear from people <coughs> all over, you know, yeah. the, that want to disprove the Bible say, Hey, listen, like something that has been 
translated and translated and translated and translated and translated. Right. It's like if you line everybody up in a line and play the phone game, right? Yeah. By the time it gets to the end of the one, it's like not the same yeah. thing, right? And so your argument would be, if I'm understanding correctly, is is you're saying we actually have the original manuscripts. 100%. Like, we have them and we can yeah. actually go and look back on the original manuscripts and yeah. we can validate and say, hey, okay, let's say I'm just going to use King James, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the King James version of the Bible, like if you compare the King James version of the Bible to the original manuscripts of it, you can see that it's pretty accurate within a 98% like, you know, thing outside oh, of the small sure. thing. Like it's basically accurate to where, what the original manuscripts of the Bible say. 100%. And, and, and mm -hmm. really like, and let's, you know, and I don't, <clears throat> I don't want to discount the, the logical and the historical like value of the, the Bible that carries. But, you know, if you, something I've, I've been able to unpack, and this is like, it's been a bit of a dichotomy because I, I've been able to, uh, I've been able to understand and kind of uh, digest a lot of the, logical explanation of the christianity and bible but i've also like from a spiritual element um i've also understood like christianity is like the most simple it's like the most simple religion or yeah i mean if we're going to use that word religion in the world because all jesus says like if, if you want to like if you want to be saved just follow me that's it like yep. you don't want to you don't have to go Believe to on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved yeah like that's it like and and i've come to realize like if if Christ is if Jesus Christ is for indeed for everybody like it has to be the most simplest thing that anyone can like has to do <laughs> like, you, like because like for example like if Jesus would have said oh you got to climb the mountain like a couple times a year and if you don't you're not saved like well then like how does that work for people who are crippled like or people like, <laughs> All right. it doesn't work so it has to be universally true like, salvation has to be easily accessible for anybody everybody no matter what intelligence or age or none of that right so I've come to believe that mm, that's a good point. Exactly, you know, like having a relationship with Jesus has to be easy. Like, like Jesus wants everyone to be saved. Like that's that's like just fundamentally true. So Jesus made it easily. Jesus made it easy. God made it easy through His Son Jesus Christ. Made it easy for us to have access to salvation. But more importantly, I think more important than uh, than that is, is the, the fellowship with Jesus because. You know, the, the whole reason why Jesus came is to restore the original relationship that we have with, with God back in the garden, right? God, garden Eden. God created us to have a relationship. God is a relation, you know, a God of relationships. So the whole point of, uh, you know, to, to, to be, we have that, uh, to, to make it easy is to have the, the restoration of the relationship we had got with, with God. And, and, you know, that, that's easily accessible today. But um, back to, you know, the historical, you know, going more of the logical route. Yeah, I, 100%. Like, you know, um, the, the the textual and, and people have guarded you know, the Bible for 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 very long time. You know, um, yeah. and even even if the new, new if there was a new translation, they would always refer back to the original manuscript. If there were to be any new versions or translations, there's there's multiple. But um, well, I think yeah, that, well, that's what I the other think. Thing I, yeah, I think that you make is an interesting point. Is um, and this is less on the Bible, <laughs> but more on the case for Christianity. So there yeah. was a guy that I, I met with for a short period of time when I lived in Omaha. I went to a church, and there was a, a gentleman that I met there. He was a very, very, very unique gentleman, like very mm -hmm. interesting um, guy. But just all he wanted to do is just do Bible studies and support mm -hmm. Christians. Like that's all he wanted to do. And so yeah, me yeah. as this very broken, very still trying to figure it out, you know, thing, I, I would sit down with him and I was, you know, kind of going through and I was, I'm telling him like my business and kind of everything like that, like yeah. my struggles with Christianity. And like, I'm like, 
one of the things, like one of my values is I really like smart people. Like I just like being mm -hmm. smart, right? Like I don't mm -hmm. think smart makes you better than anybody, but like, I just like smart people, right? Yeah. And what was interesting, it, what you said there about it being accessible is this guy, his name is Chad. And he said, uh, he said, Josh, what you need to understand is that the Bible is for all people. Christianity is for all people. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be dumb. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be poor. It doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. It's for everybody. And like when he said that, at first I was like, well, yeah, like I, kn like I know that, right? And then he goes, no, 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 but like really understand that. He's like, because every other religion, you have to earn your way. Yeah. Every other religion that exists, you have to earn your way into heaven or earn mm -hmm. your salvation, right? If you look at, you know, Allah and, you know, and Muslims and, or like all these different, you have to earn it, right? It's, it's, it's a works-based thing. He's like, Christianity is the only one where man is fundamentally bad and in need of a savior, right? Mm -hmm. It's their fall in need of a savior. And it is a free gift. You cannot earn your way into it. You can't do works into it. All you have to do is you have to accept it. That's it, mm -hmm. right? You have to accept this free gift of salvation. And then after that gift of salvation, and this is what I, this really did shift my perspective on a lot of things. After you have this gift of salvation and you've accepted this, then you're going to want to know how to live in that way. And that's where the Bible comes in. And that's where the rules come in. And that's where the laws start to come in. And what he compared it to is like, think about and the an identity of you know anything like think about like if you're a funnel hacker right like we are funnel hackers and there's all the things that funnel hackers do and there's patriots fans or there's you know jet it's like what do you do you buy the jersey you go to the games you you know you rep the stuff and it's like anytime you're in part of a club or an identity there's rules that you follow there's things that you do to be more like that person or to be more like that club right and so he's like the the laws the rules of the bible are there not to punish you right but they're there to guide you. And like yeah. when, when it shifted for me that the Bible, the rules that are laid out in the Bible are not punishments, right? God is not punishing you for like by making you follow the rules, but rather if you follow what he's saying to do, you will be blessed, right? And I think, you know, I grew up and not so much from my parents, but from a lot of the people that, mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse me, that I was around was like, God was this God sitting up in, in the clouds mm -hmm. waiting to just damn you to hell if you made a mistake, yeah. right? Like just cast you into the fire. Where in reality, it's like we live in a very fallen world and it's like, no, you're going to hell. Like that's happening, right? Mm -hmm. But the only way out is by choosing him, right? And like by, and if you choose him, you choose that, that, that free gift of salvation, then you're gonna want, like if you want to, fully embrace that you want to understand how to get the benefits out of life to be more like Christ to live a fulfilled life a purpose driven life to have the freedom in Christ is by following these rules and laws and like that was a very big shift for me because for the first time in my life I like didn't feel like if, like God was waiting to send me to hell you know what yeah. I'm saying well, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna push you a little bit here so um what, one thing I've, I've, I've learned um and I think uh, the book of Roman talks beautifully about this paul writes about like where the law the letter of law is is to kill the the uh, greatest of jesus christ is, is to save so um if, if you remember like back in exodus uh, moses receives specifically 10 commandments from god 10 right yeah. that's it like 
Follow these 10, you'll be good. Like, and God gives them kind of a parameter. And then um, in the book of Deuteronomy and, you know, numbers, it, it, it goes even more. And it kind of unpacks a lot more, which a lot of it has to do with actually it, it, it's designed to benefit the, 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 the Hebrew people. Like the whole idea of like don't eat pork was the fact that like back in the day, you know, you just couldn't store pork the right way and you just get right. disease and get sick. So a lot of it was meant to protect the people. Um, and, it's, you know, in a way, same is true for a lot of the quote unquote rules. Um, but if what's interesting is that you know you beg, you know we start from ten commandments. By the time we're done with Old Testament, you know, right before the years of Jesus, there's like six hundred eighty something <laughs> rules that the, par- the the Pharisees created, right? Yeah. And yeah. and it's like, oh, you can't work on Sunday, you can't lift your, you know, pick up your mat and walk ten meters, you know, whatever, right? There's some stupid things that are happening, and Jesus, is like, you guys totally missed the point. Like, this is why he he hates, like, I wouldn't say hate, but like he rebukes the religious leaders because like you guys totally missed the point. It, it, like you create laws and rules that overburn people, and yet you don't you, you don't self you don't yourself follow them. Like I'm gonna break this down to two things. Okay, here it is. Like love your guy with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your love your neighbors as thyself. The end. Like two things. Stick with it. Be led by the spirit. You're done. And this is one of the reasons. Like sure. Like I, like and and I have to be careful how I say this because I I need to strip down what is the cultural rule, like what is Americanism Christianity, and what is truly of the spirit, and what is what is what does actually look like when it comes to following Jesus. So, you know, like the whole idea, like holding your hand, closing your eyes, right? Like you got to read a Bible, Bible study. You got to make sure you don't wear any, like, you know, clothes that like offend people. I mean, there, there's a certain degree. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, there's a certain degree of, of course, like, you know, sexual immorality and all that. But like... I, you know, like the the whole idea of, the, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to shed away a lot of this like Americanism Christianity, right? Like, uh, and I and I think Americanism Christianity has failed us because all it all it created was bitter people who are like, ah, I hate the church because they make me do things, right? Like, it, it, I truly believe that, uh, like, agnostics and atheists. Are the product of Christianity, right? Like, you, like if atheism, atheism cannot exist without Christianity. Like, they can, they can, they can make an all kind, all kinds of argument they want, but like, what is atheism without Christianity? Like, you know, there's no counterforce, right? So, uh, the way that I, I, I digest all this is that it's not necessarily about following rules; it's about the relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, I, I right. can make this, this, um, this analogy. Like, like you probably wouldn't cheat on your wife. Like you wouldn't, because it, it, it hurts. It's her. It hurts her. It hurts million, you. Million years. Yeah. So like it, it's that. It's not like oh, like Josh, don't cheat on your wife. Like make sure you follow that rule, and like you will go to like you will have a wonderful marriage. So if you focus on not cheating on your wife for the rest of your life and not focusing on building a relationship with your wife, what like what relationship are you gonna have? Right. right? And I, I think that's actually a really good analogy because if it, when you hear. Not, <laughs> People that struggle with that, perhaps, right? Maybe right. that are less religious or, you know, yeah. think that, you know, hooking, you know, be, having sex with tons of people is great, right? Uh, it's like, that's the rule that they focus on. It's like, mm. but if I get yep. married, then I can't, like, then I can't have sex with anybody else, right? Or I can't. And so then they end up getting married and they're like, I just, as long as I don't have sex with you know, anybody else, as long as I don't cheat on my wife, then I'm fine, right? Like, then that's marriage. And it's like, there are people out there that have gone their entire life without cheating on their wife that have a yeah. horrible marriage. Oh, for sure. And there are people out there that have cheated on their wife, that have come back, have repented, have mm-hmm. made it right, have fixed it, that have a wonderful marriage. Now, yeah. does that mean that you should go cheat on your wife? No. 
but it means that if you're simply just focused on just doing that, like the rest of your life can be miserable and <laughs> you can follow the really rules, is. right? Dude. Like that's a great yeah. analogy. Yeah, because like if that's all you focus on, like oh, I must not cheat on my wife. I must not like like get on. Um, I don't know, like uh, what's some dating apps these days? Like I don't even know, dude. Tinder. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Tinder, I must not get on Tinder. I must not talk to anyone. Like I must not talk to other women. Like if that's right. where all your focus go, is go, like right. think about think of what you're gonna miss out. Like the whole point of having a relationship with your wife is to have have this beautiful in depth. Like you get to know another soul. You get to know another human being. Like and and they see you as something. Like they see you as beautiful. Like like, I, I read this book by Tim Keller, um, Timothy Keller, and it, it, um, The Meaning of Marriage. Meaning of Marriage, yeah. My mom gave dude, it out for me. Dude, it, it literally, like, like blew my mind. Because, like, it, it also like, helped me understand another, like, dimension of who God is. So, like, and I apply the, 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 the knowledge of marriage to relationship with God. Because that's what it is. Like, it's, it's, it's like marriage with God in it the is, sense yeah. that, you know, if we focus on deepening that relationship – all the rest of the world is kind of kind of takes on on its own. And here's another thought to that as well: is God, you know, Jesus says, you know, if, if you follow me, if you commit your life to me, I will give you my spirit. I my spirit will dwell in you. So part a lot of that is also trusting in in, in that in the spirit, which I you know I call it the autopilot. I I trust the autopilot that is the Holy Spirit that's in me to to help me guide the decisions every day in my life. Like I don't have to like force myself like oh I gotta not cheat, I gotta not lie here. Like, I know that the spirit is working in me. I'm, I'm trusting God to, to form my heart in a way that I will automatically on autopilot, will not lie, will not cheat, will not steal, right? will not look at, you know, um, you know, uh, another person with lust. Like that's set on autopilot. So like a lot of that is, is, is trusting in the spirit that he, he will come and do that for me. Because again, like, like it, it just like, it's bonkers again, to think that Christianity is hard. It's it, a lot of it is just, a lot of it is just us responding to God and he's, well, do, he's doing the other the initiating. Thing, if we focus, yeah. if you focus on what you can't do, you're like going to miss out a whole crap ton on what you can. Right? Oh, absolutely, like, man. Like I used to be, dude, I used to not want to get married. Right. I was like <laughs> marriage. That is, it's not for me. Like yep. I want to go. Cause if I get married, that's going to take me away from my business. It's going to take mm. me away from making money. She's going to want to spend the money when I could be investing <laughs> it. Like that was yeah. like, and so for me, I looked at marriage and marriage was a crutch. Marriage was a negative because it took it away from the thing that I thought was the most important thing to me. Right. Yeah. And then I got married and my whole perspective of life changed. And I'm like, I can't even imagine what life would be like right now without being married, right? Because 100%. when I look at marriage, like I look at someone and I'm gonna pick on, you know who Dan Henry is? Oh yeah, I love Dan, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I love Dan, right? He's a good friend of mine. Dan, I love you if you're listening, right? <laughs> I'm gonna pick on you for a second, right? Dan is like, don't you dare get married, right? He'd been married, he's been divorced. And it, he's like, he wants oh, to yeah, sign a right. legal document that he I never that. ever can pop, legally he can never get married again or whatever, right? Yeah, because yeah. for him, and I look at that and I go, I can't even fathom that because mm -hmm. of all of the benefit that I get. I can't buy that benefit. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I can't buy the love. I can't buy the support. I can't buy the, you know, like all the things, the connection, the comfort, the peace, like everything that goes yeah. with that. And guess what? If I sat around and just thought, man, it sucks that I'm married because I can't go have sex with all these other women, right? Mm -hmm. If that was my approach to it, none of that would exist. I would be yeah. married, but none of those other benefits would exist. But instead yeah. of going and being like, oh, it sucks that I can't go all those things, but instead I go and I go, let me invest in my wife instead. 
right? Yeah. Let me invest in our relationship. And like, honestly, outside of my business, and this is purely just because I've been in business long for longer than I've been married, but like, I've not invested into anything more than my marriage, mm -hmm. nothing, right? Like, like yeah. that. And it, we've only been married since May. We've been, you know, we've been dating for about, or we've been together for about three years, right? Mm. But like uh, that relationship has yielded me more transformation in my life, more benefit in my life, more fulfillment in my life. Why? Because when I'm in that, yes, guess what happens when you get married? There are restrictions, <laughs> right? Yes, there are things that you have to do. Yeah. Yes, I can't just fly you know wake up tomorrow and decide to go somewhere and not tell her like i used to be able to do right there are obvious yeah. restrictions that come but the blessings the benefits are like monumentally better right yeah. it's like exponential and i feel like that right there is how it is with christ that Dude, right I, there is how I, it is with religion 100 percent. like I, I it's crazy like i i didn't know this and i wasn't aware of this before i got married it, it, like one thing that that I'm still learning and, and it's it I'm still kind of like smoothing out the rugged, the the rough edges is that like I've never been more aware even my emotion and not, that sounds like hokey for a man to say like I'm like I I, I constantly want to like just radiate testosterone all the time but like, <laughs> like one thing I realized is that it, it it is literally that like belief that's limiting like guy like one thing I've I've learned from psychologists and some of the top like mind, mind coaches is that like one of the big reasons why guys get into addictions and struggle with like pornography, smoking, drinking, all that, it actually has to, it comes down to like lack of emotional awareness and also uh, uh, loneliness. loneliness. Um, and one thing that, that my marriage taught me and just having that, because uh, my wife is like completely opposite of me. Like she, she is so emotional. Like, 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 like at first when I like got married to her and she's like cried and like she's like uncontrollably like sobbing. And like I, me, I'm like being like, I had no idea what to do. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, like what funnels do I use for this? Like, what, <laughs> like what, what ad copy do I need to write to like get her to st stop crying? Like, like I literally had like no idea. Like, like why did like business books not teach me about this? And so like literally like I, I had to learn how to like increase my emotional intelligence because like, like when my, my wife was crying, she wasn't asking for like coaching. Like, like she's not a client. I'm like, where she's asking for like, Sam, I'm, my, my funnels aren't working. Like she was just asking for validation, right? She was asking for me to like step into her world, feel the emotions that she's, she's experiencing and like just, just have her like feel understood. And, and that's, that's something, again, I'm practicing. I'm not perfect at it, but like when my wife's like sobbing and she's crying and like I'm trying to like, like, okay, what is this? Like, what is the name of this? In fact, like I have this like little chart that's got all the emotional words, like all the words that describe all the emotions in the world. And like for me, for me as a guy, I, I, you know, like before, like understanding all this, there really was three emotions for me. I was happy, sad, or angry. Like that, that was it. Like, like three flavors of emotions. But like after this, yep. I now I have at least like I'm aware of at least thirty emotions. Like okay, like what, I what, be what's aggravated. the name of that chart? Here, I'll, I'll show you. Like, there it is. Okay, so this is literally what it is. Okay, oh, like dang. here, I know it's crazy. Let me like zoom in, and I know like for those listening, uh, I know it's gonna be hard to see. Or like, oh, it's mirror, dang it. But it, it just basically says No, 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 I see it. I see it. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's like happiness, sad, and then it breaks down even more like, okay, if you're happy, then what what are you what are you? Are you optimized? Um, right? Are you I can't it's backwards for me, but it goes really deep. So huh. so what I do is because like God God is the creator of emotions, right? He he created emotions on on you know it was an it was not an accident that he created motion. So when I'm feeling something, I'm like, okay, God, like, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. Like, and I'm looking at this chart and like I'm pray I'm prayerfully like looking at it. Okay, like I feel rejected, I feel excluded, I feel persecuted. 
ah, like, oh, that's what it is. Like, I feel jealous right now. That's what I'm feeling. And I can I can pray about it. And and really, like, I'm not praying for it to go away because it's it's emotions. It's it's there. It's here. I'm I'm praying for like for me to accept it and 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 to feel it to 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 embrace it. And then um, because like, like I think guys struggle with that most. Uh, and this is probably why like a lot of uh, wives um feel the dis- the disconnect with their husband is because guys don't verbalize like how what they feel. And I, I, you know, I, for the longest time, I thought this was pansy. Like who does this? Like, you know, I'm an army guy. Like, you know, like keep your emotions to yourself. Like, right. But I've, I've come to learn that this is, this is the start of like emotional awareness and intelligence and health, like mental health. It all starts with that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm practicing that even with my own team. Like if I feel aggravated or frustrated, like I'm, I'm going to point out exactly like how I'm feeling, share that with my team. Or if I, if my team is feeling that way, I'm like looking at the chart, I'm like, okay, what, like, what are they feeling right now? And, and how could I like, how could I like validate and, 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 and be genuine and show up authentically in that emotion with them? So like that probably right there has been a, like a big, big, big lifesaver for my own marriage. And, and uh, my wife, Grace has been pointing out like, oh yeah, like I can see like the, the improvements, like. I, I can I can tell you like you're, you're you're wanting to connect with me more like you're not trying to throw solutions at me you like you genuinely want to just connect and so yeah it's, and it's, I think that was thing. the biggest thing for me like it's funny that you say yeah. like she's not a client she's not a student she's not coming for coaching yeah. right like right. that's what I try to do at the beginning of my relationship with my wife oh, is it's hard coach her and yeah. my gosh did that did not work it, man. It oh my so word. fast word <laughs> she's she's like, more. <laughs> oh just gets more upset right yeah she's like but you it's don't get it you know. <laughs> but but it's interesting. So I am someone that um, you know, I'm very blessed to. Yeah. I hired you know Katie Richardson, who's my mindset coach, right? I mm. paid paid her over a hundred grand, right? Sixty thousand dollars a year, nice. and all we did she was high performance. She worked on my mind, right? And mm. one of the very first conversations that we had was about logic versus emotion, mm-hmm. and I told her I said emotion is yucky and disgusting, and I don't go there, <laughs> right? And she's like, cool. So guess where we're gonna go? And I'm like, yeah. But I paid her all this money, so I'm like, I guess I'll do no, whatever you tell it. me, right? But by understanding my emotion, by understanding who I was, by getting in touch with that, it changed my life, my whole yeah, life, right? Too. And it, like, and Leah, my wife, she goes, I mean, like, if you were to be like, Josh, what's the best $100,000 that you've ever spent in your whole life? Mm. No questions asked is Katie. And if you were to ask my wife, she'd be like, no questions asked is Katie. Because, yeah. because Katie went and... Show, taught me about emotions and how they affect everything. And I'm naturally a very good communicator. So when I started mm-hmm. communicating that to my wife, like at first, this was so confusing to her because she yeah. comes from a family that like, you don't talk about your emotions. You don't talk about your yeah, problems. You don't talk, right? And so then when we would, we would open, we would communicate about it. We understood each other. And what you said what is so true. It, it sounds so dumb. It sounds woo-woo. It sounds like, oh, no, there's no, there's no way. Yeah. But both parties, men and women, yeah. most of the time, what we want in the relationship is validation. Oh, 100%. Like, that is 100%. what we want. We want to know that we are loved, and we want to know the other person's feel love. We want to know we're doing a good job, and we want to know that the other person thinks we're doing a good job, right? Like, yeah. and it's like the, those, like, the simplest little things bring the most amount of impact and the most amount of benefit. Mm. And we, you know, as entrepreneurs, oftentimes, you know, you hear, you don't need motivation, you don't need inspiration, you need to go out and get results, you need to go out and do the work, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, but in, your relationship is actually very different than that. Yeah. 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 And if we're going to go full circle, man, like, like, so we, we talked about our wives, like think about how, like, how that applies to like our relationship with God. And like one thing I've, I've learned um, 
and just through different mentors and and just just you know perfectly thinking about it most of the time what god what god wants us from us is not not to like do stuff for him it's really like god wants us to to be open and, and to to be known like like a lot of my prayers now is like god like i I feel I feel sad about this. Like I, I feel devastated that something else isn't working. Like I I, I just want to tell you this, and I, I want to connect connect with you. Um, and and if you have, <coughs> if you have, you should go back to uh, the, the uh, you know in Genesis when you know uh, Eve and Adam right takes bite out of the the, the forbidden fruit right, and um, Adam and Eve both know that they they screwed up like. They know what's good and what's right and evil. And God shows up and says, hey, Adam, where, where, where are you at, right? It's not that God didn't know physically where Adam was. Like, duh, he knew. But God was asking, hey, where are you at with your heart? Because all of a sudden, like, like you're not expressing, you're not, like, opening your heart anymore. You're not, like, sharing your emotions with me. Like, you're, you're not connected with me. What's, what, where's your heart at, right? So, like, if we're, if we're, the goal is to restore that relationship, to, to pursue that relationship, Part of it isn't, isn't necessarily to ask for more stuff from God or part of it is like, oh, God, give me a billion dollars. It's like, hey, hey God, like, I feel this way. Like, I, I know you created emotions, so you probably know what I'm feeling. Like, I just want to let you know this is how I'm feeling. And so, um, like, that's, that's, like, that's what I like, like a lot of times what I do. And, and sadly, uh, what, <laughs> what I like to say is a lot of, a lot of Christians, and, and they mean well, is that they, have a, they, they abuse Jesus. They abuse God. And here's how here's how that works, right? Like, imagine your wife comes to you, Josh, and all she asks every single day for like for a long time, and this is all the relationship is, is, you know, um, Leah's her name, right? So yep. Leah comes to you and is like, "Hey, Josh, I thank you so much for like you bringing all the the, the you're you're bringing income, like you, you you're, you're such a great provider, amazing, right, right. you know, uh, glory to you, Josh. Hey, Josh, real quick, uh, could you like give me like ten thousand dollars? I need to go shop. I need to go do this, this, blah, blah, blah." And then, um, yeah, see you later, right? And like, just imagine if that if, if that's all it was every single day for the rest of your marriage, like all oh, that's all it was. It's gonna have ten thousand dollars in the right. Life. And like, not only would you feel like like I don't know who like Leah like or nor Leo not will not know you, right? So, like, the point of it is like that's what unfortunately that's the the prayer that's the that's what that's that's what that's how most people pray. It's like God, thank you so much. You're awesome. Give me this. Yeah, like where yeah, where is the emotional you know where is the emotional mm. connection where is the connection part of your prayer and so like i i've been in the habit of like i mean it's it's okay to ask god for things that's part of like you know even jesus says, says it like when you ask for, for things ask with faith and and god will give it to you like right it says in the scripture but transcending that if you really want to build a a you know rock solid relationship i think you know parallel to our marriage is you can't abuse your spouse, like just asking them things and saying good things about him and be done with it. I think there has to be those seasons where you're going to, you, you are going to be mad at God, right? You are going to be angry at him. You're going to be ticked off. You're going to say, you know, you're like, God, how could you do this to me? Like, man, I'm so angry right now. Right. You're going to, but you're connecting with him, right? It's, it's part of the emotions. Um, yeah. There might be moments where like, God, you know, like, man, I, I feel really bad God. Cause I said something bad to someone. And like, I, I just don't know what to say. Like, well, like God, what would you say about this? Right. Like just having that to be a prayer, like it doesn't have to be like, oh, thou Lord, thou art great, right? Like, I, mean, I guess that works for some people. Yeah, yeah, so like, right. You know, but, but it's, yeah, yeah. I know. You what know, it's, it's what it is. Like, you got to be real. Like, gen, like 
Jesus says it, um, especially to, to the woman in the well, um, when the, the Samaritan woman he says, there, you know, Jesus says there will come a time where uh, you will neither worship in the mountains or in the temple. As long as you worship in God, God in spirit and truth, genuineness, like if you show up authentically and yeah. it's done in spirit, it is a worship that God is pleased, uh, it, it is pleased of. So like, man, like full circle, baby, like marriage and, and our relationship with God, it, it is like, it is supposed to run parallel. It is supposed to have, have this, this, this beautiful story of like all relationships with, with everything. So yeah, it, it's powerful when, when, when you, when you look at it that way, it, it, it's, yeah, man. it's crazy, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've, I really appreciate you sharing all that because I think that was really, really helpful for a lot of people. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, this is really good. This is really good. So I appreciate, yeah. uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all that. I do have a couple, um, yeah. I call them rapid fire questions before we wrap up here, but sure. I don't know with you and I, they might go a little bit longer than rapid fire. We'd like to talk. <laughs> um, so, Oh, as we kind of bring this to a close here or, uh, first question that I like to ask people at the end of it is if you were going to die tomorrow, hmm. Like you knew you had 24 hours to live. What would you do with your life for the next 24 mm. hours? Ah, uh, man. So I, I, I would do everything and anything in my power to, to make sure that my, my, both my wife and my, my daughter know that they're loved, you know, by, by, by their dad and their, their husband. And, and I, and, you know, could, I know some people might say, Oh, I'll try to make more money. Right. Whatever. Right. One thing I've, I've realized is that like, you can literally take away everything that I have, but the, the identity that remains true, the, the, the responsibility that, that God has given me is, is to be a good husband and a good dad. Right? Yeah. At the end of the day, I can literally lose my business today and I'd still be a dad, right? Like I'd still be, try to be the best dad as possible. So yep. for the next 24 hours, that's, that's, that's honestly what I would do. And I think, um, you know, if, I, if I'm listening to, to what the Spirit is saying right now, is, I think is that. is like go to, go to all your loved ones, your brother, um, your wife, and your daughter and, and, know, and, and help them feel that love and make that last impression with them. Um, yeah, that's probably what I, what I would do. Mm, yeah. Interesting. I like that. I like that. Mm. All right. Next question <clears throat> is what is one thing in your life that has never changed no matter what that mm. you like a value or a belief that you've had that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what has happened, like it has been true throughout mm. the entirety of your life. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the thoughts that I have, you know, a lot of the framework, the belief, or like, it, it, it has changed a little bit. Um, you know, whether I have added or taken things out, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, but like, in, in, yeah. In, 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 what, like, what's something that like, maybe you were taught it growing up, right? And I should figure out a better way to ask the question. Or like, maybe you taught it growing up, or you believe it, but you've yeah. known like this thing, right? Because like, for example, I interviewed, you know, uh, Tanner Chister, right? And, yeah, you know, yeah. I was talk talking with him and like, you know, he was talking about how his life has changed so much. He grew up LDS and now he basically believes life has no meaning. And like, so all these like mm. core beliefs have shifted. And so I was like, dude, mm. like what's one thing in your life that has never changed? Like that, you know, that if you did this, whether it was religious or money related or work related or people mm. related, relationship related, health related, like what's one yeah. thing that you're like, this is an, 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 uh, an unchanging truth that you live by and you know to be true. Yeah. Um, I mean, like what's been con consistent, like, and, and this is part of my personality is like, is, is that like, um, yeah, like I, I think it has to do with the fact that like everything and anything 
it, like if you want something to be successful, especially in the, the context of business, um, it is up to you. Like you are responsible for it. Like, and it, I, I think that's in, at the end of the day, that's how like it shifts my also like my belief in politics and also my belief in like businesses. Like, if you want something done, like it is your responsibility. Like, if it fails, that's you. Like, if it succeeds, that's on you. Like, um, so I think. I, I, you know, one thing <coughs> that I've never failed to do if, if I felt an inspiration is to execute and like and execute and execute and execute. So that's, that's one thing that's always remained true. Even when I was like, I remember like being three or four years old, like I would execute, execute, execute like on, on something like it, that just has been like true for all my life. Like it's, it's been my belief. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, man. A uh, couple, yeah. I don't ask these questions normally to people, but I, yeah, yeah. That, that's the last question I have for you officially. The podcast is over, but I have a couple questions for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because I'm curious your thoughts on it. Number one. Yeah. Do you think Donald Trump is going to run again? Uh, I know you. Uh, yeah. That's how we met. You liked my shirt, man. <laughs> Trump won. So I, I, I think he's going to run. I think he will. Um, mm. I, I think he'll, he'll run again. If not, you know, and I know this is an unpopular thing to say, but I like my money's on DeSantis right now. Like, yeah, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, how could you say that? Like, you traitor, blah, blah, blah. But like, but like, if you really think about it, like, I think DeSantis will like win the moderates, like even the the people on the, the left, like the Democrats, like people who are not like Bernie or like AOC, I think they're going to be like, okay, yeah, DeSantis at least has a head. Like, he, right. He's right. not crazy. Like, he's not. But do you think, do you yeah. think like if Trump doesn't run, obviously, yeah. then I think the choice is DeSantis. But do you think yeah. Trump will run? I think he will, um, barring nothing crazy happens in the next four years. Right. Um, well, it's only like dude, we're only like, like two years, years away from yeah, the election right. cycle, though, dude, bro. It, it, times go so quick. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, man. Yeah, especially COVID and everything. But no, like honestly, man. Like if he does run, and if he's the, uh, he, if he's on the ballot, like, what other choice do we have, right? Like, right. Like, if Trump you know, runs, he wins the nomination for sure. But. Yeah. So really, like anything that's anything anything not crazy <laughs> is is what I'll run. Like. For sure, like, I, I would not vote for AOC or Bernie or any of that. Like, Okay, well, that's my next question. Who do you think is going to yeah. run on the Democrat ticket? Oof, man. Because it can't man. be Biden, right? You know, like, it, if, like, Kamala runs again, like, runs, like, I know for sure that they're dead. They're done. Like, that, that, Right, that, so they can't you know. run Biden and they can't run Kamala. No, th th those are the, like, if they, if they ran, if they ran either, either, either picks, I'm like, you guys are dumb. <laughs> like, right. I, I think you, Trump would beat, I think anybody on yeah. the Republican side would beat I, Biden I, I, or Kamala. You know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't see AOC in, in the ticket. She's too young. She's young. No, she's like, way, she's psycho, dude. Yo, they, she, she never, no, no. You know, the moderate left will never take her. Um, do you know who you I know, think is going to run? Do you think it's Manchin? No, I think it's going to be Michelle Obama. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, I think Michelle's going to run. I can run. see that. No, yeah. yeah. She, no, yeah, I, you know, here's what it comes down to now these days. It's no longer about policy. It, it's all about culture, right? Like, who wins right, the cultural sure, war, sure. right? So, yeah, I could definitely see Michelle Obama winning the cultural war. Like, she, she'll definitely have the, the African-American votes. She'll definitely well, she got the black the, vote. She got the woman vote. She got the LGBT and, vote. Right. You know, she, and people she, loved Obama, dude. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like, and, and sadly enough, I think if, if, if she does run and, and, depending on how Trump shows up in 2024, like if Trump shows up the way they did with like the, the one debate, like I think Michelle is going to like win. Dude, I think Michelle beats Trump and I don't know if she would beat yeah. DeSantis. Yeah. And I think DeSantis, if DeSantis was on the ballot and, and uh, about, uh, Michelle Obama was on the ballot, I think that there, it would be very close. Like I think, yeah. because both are, both are not crazy. Both, both are rather moderate. They're both very educated, very smart, you know, very and smart. So uh, I think, yeah, I think, 
re- realistically, I would love to see that ballot <laughs> more than more than anything else. Like, now I don't want Michelle to run because I think she'd win. <laughs> yeah, I know she she has a shot. Yeah, she my does. my pick. I think that it like I'd love to see DeSantis run. No, for sure. But who I think would be super super cool as a VP for him would be is um Cruz. Uh, no, I'm not a huge Cruz fan, oh, you're man. Not? Not interesting. I'm not. He just seems super whiny and Rump, super. Paul, Paul, Ron Paul. I mean, uh, Rand Paul's. I like Rand Paul, Paul a lot Rand, better. Yeah, no, but um, who's the the crap? What's her name? Um, from Hawaii. She's a Democrat. Oh, uh, um, not Jalisi, Jalasi. Um, I know, I know who you're talking about. She was an army yeah, officer. Yeah. Uh, what the frick is her name? Hawaii. Yeah, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I could totally see her run again. Um, um, uh, what's her name? name. What, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think, like, think yeah. about this for a second. Imagine if DeSantis came out yeah. and was like, hey, I'm going to pick Tulsi Gabbard as my VP. She's a woman. Yeah. And she's a Democrat, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in history, you have a Democrat-Republican ticket, which it just won't yeah. happen. This won't. But, like, I would, like, campaign for that ticket. Dude, that Because that I would, that would really clobber. like her. That would cl- literally, because, like, now you got the, the moderates and, and, and the, the, obviously, the right um yeah i think that'd be feasible if that was possible because i and, and i think we need to get away from this whole uh partyism like you're you can only yeah. take the candidate from party like i would love to see yeah i would love to see that day where it is a desantis and and tulsi gabber like they're on the same like they're teaming up and then yeah i, I could see that being a, a very good outcome like, all right for sure yeah. all right so last question that i have for yeah. this yeah if you could pick any person to be president, doesn't yeah. matter if they're running or not. Who would you pick? <laughs> um, crap. Um, honestly, like I, 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 I kind of like the whole. You know, I, I'm a, I'm definitely more libertarian than anything. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, like I, I like smaller governments. You know, obviously, like you know, if, if I had it that had it my way, I, I would love to see the government go smaller. Like I, I, I know this is like crazy to sound, but maybe Elon has a shot if he's not running. Dude. Like he's, Dude, you know? my dream pick, like I would donate <laughs> you know? all my money to this campaign, would be Elon Rogan. Yeah. Elon yeah. Rogan, <laughs> president, vice president. Yeah. That'd be like the greatest <laughs> thing dream, since right? sliced bread. Um, so I, I could definitely see Elon, but I could also see like uh, Dan Crenshaw as, as another contender. Yeah. You know, he, I, he, I think he's got a really good like head on his shoulder. Um, very bright, smart, intelligent, you know, so. He's another yeah. one I think uh, is a candidate. Um, yeah. yeah. So so yeah, it, it'd be Elon or Dan. I mean, that's that's, that's yeah. all I can think of. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate yeah. you coming on here. We'll have to do it again sometime. This was Absolutely, super super man. fun. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your you wisdom bet. and uh, your knowledge. Dude, I have a great time. I appreciate this, and I I'm so looking forward to hear. Like, when is it kicking off? Like, what's when's the first episode or? Uh, Russell Brunson was the first episode. Uh, okay. It comes off in February. Um, so okay. but when the time this drops, this will be in February. Um, nice. And yeah, we're just going awesome. on. And like yeah. I said, it's dead. It's interesting. And I'll, I'll talk. It's actually a good. We're just wrapping up here super, super quick because <clears throat> I do have to run here. But basically, we've I've separated the podcast from my company. Mm. And so I used to be called Think Different Theory. And that was it. It was Think Different Theory, the podcast, Think Different Theory, the company. And then like that was that. Right. Mm. And what that for the problem with that was, is it caused a lot of. A confusion because I wouldn't talk a lot about business on the podcast. We would talk about God and religion and politics. Oh, like, sure. And people were like, what? Like, what the heck is it? Like, is it like this? And so what we did is we actually separated it. So now the podcast is called the Josh 40 effect. And that's it, it purely, it's two hour long episodes. It's about 
well, it's about freedom, fulfillment, and living a purpose-driven life, right? Like that's yeah. that's really what it comes down to, right? Um, and then this, the, the name of my company, which is the actual company that I run, is called MyMasterStory.com. Mm-hmm. And, and we teach people how to write master stories for their, for their personal brands and for their companies to be able to sell stuff yeah. online. And so now they're two separate things. And so in February, what we're Got doing it. to kick off February, the first week of February, we're doing a five-day challenge, uh, or we did this will be airing after. So we did a five day challenge uh, to teach the My Master Story and then it's gonna come after that and then they're gonna run side by side and, and parallel. But yeah, that's kind of how we're running it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, once once your podcast comes comes out, I'm gonna promote the heck out of it. It'll be on my Facebook, email, whole nine yards. So awesome. yeah, dude. Well, yeah, well hey, let's wrap it. up the episode. We'll, we'll chat. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I yeah. appreciate it. Go find Sam. Uh, we'll link all of his socials and stuff down below. Go follow him, check him out. Sam, thank you so much again. Guys, as always, also, also God bless. Don't be afraid to think different because those yeah. of us that think different are gonna be the ones that change the world. I love you all. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, Sam. Peace. Yep. All right, see you, Josh.